0: I remember watching that uh, prior to Derek's wedding, or rather we watched uh, the first Red Brown Captain America. Yes. Which was interminable. But then we couldn't make it through the second one, and the second one was the one that had Christopher Lee in it, as the villainous Miguel. (laughs) I forgot that. I I also forgot
1: that. The main thing I remember uh, is the van. The van that Captain America has. And also the fact that like, for the first, I'd say, hour of the first Captain America, it was unclear to me whether or not he already had his powers.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's very (laughs) vague.
1: It seemed like he might have already had his powers, but just for some reason was keeping it low-key. Yeah. The villainous Mago.
0: Yeah, uh, Wikipedia tells me that that film ended with uh, Christopher yeah. Lee getting an aging formula splashed on him and aging. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely,
1: I yeah. definitely have not seen that. I would, I think I would remember that. I do remember. Is it Tower? Not Tower Freak. Castle Freak.
0: Castle Freak.
1: Castle Freak. Castle freak. Oh, Castle Freak. Oh, Castle Freak. All right. Well, uh, welcome everyone to our review of Castle Freak. A yep. movie I saw two years
2: ago, one time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, that... I'm that i sure that I told you guys at the time, uh, but, oh God, what is the name of the guy who directed Castle Freak? Stuart Gordon. Stuart Gordon. Uh, I don't remember what movie Gordon, it was, Stuart. but my old roommate, Eric, has a friend who hates Stuart Gordon's movies, and went to like a screening of one of his films, a special screening, and he spent the entire... I guess he had to go with a friend or something. He got dragged to it. He spent the entire time bitching to his friend about how much he hates Stuart Gordon, and when the lights came up, Stuart Gordon was sitting directly behind him.
0: Is <laughs> your friend Ignatius Riley?
2: Who is no, Ignatius it's David Courtney.
0: Riley? Uh, and he you-
2: lives in LA and uh, is an editor. or He works somehow in the video editing department of a porn, porn company.
1: <laughs> um... Oh, that, that, that was not an explanation as to who Ignatius no, Riley was. Ignatius okay. Reilly is yeah, that's from, Ignatius uh, the from... main
0: character in a confederacy uh, of dunces. Oh, uh, okay. And uh, sure. one, of the th- one of the things he does is go to films that he knows that he is going to hate and then complain <laughs> loudly about them in a theater while watching them and then eventually storm out of the film. Usually <laughs> films starring Doris Day and Rock Hudson.
3: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: But this is not the Confederacy of Dunce cast. This is Cinema Excelsior. No. I think it's the third or fourth time we've tried to start this show now. So let's let's get yeah. it on. Let's get it underway. Six or seven
1: times that I've tried to make this about freezer review, YouTube channels, or uh, Castle Freak.
0: This is the eighth time we've tried to start the show. <laughs> Welcome to Cinema Excelsior. Uh, our roundtable today, going from digital left to digital right, we've got, uh, Daniel Watson-Jones. Howdy. And, uh, Daniel is the first head of HYDRA, and, uh, <laughs> going to his right, we've got, uh, Nick Bester.
1: Beep boop, this is what I sound like.
0: Nick is the second head of HYDRA, and Beep I'm, boop. I'm Stefan Claypool, and I'm the third head of HYDRA. Uh, cut off one, and there will be at least two left. Beep uh, hey, how many-
2: how many Hydra, How many heads did Hydra traditionally have? Was it six or like
0: eight? The, or? the mythical Hydra? Yeah, the
2: mythical Hydra. Because it, it starts it. off with a great number of heads, and then they get more. Yeah, but, I'm not sure. Nine or seven? Or, I feel well, like it's between six and nine.
0: Well, what I'm curious about is did the original Hydra My gut Hydra reaction is nine. Yeah, did the original Hydra but, come out with, like, several heads, or was it just one, and then when that head got cut <coughs> off, it was like, hey, what the hell?
2: That was going to be my next question, actually. Uh, if, if I'm the first head of Hydra, then am I the primary head, or are you the original
1: head? Is yeah. there an original head? Is this like a ship of Theseus sort of thing? And
0: when they argue, does one of the heads get to like pull seniority versus the other ones? Like, hey, <laughs> I was here first. Or is it more of a prestige situation? No, well,
2: I'm the original clone. No, I'm the original clone. Yeah. You're like Michael yeah. Keaton in multiplicity. Right. According to this,
1: the Lernarian Hydra or the Hydra of Lerna uh, possess many heads, but the exact number varies according to the source. Well,
0: that's not oh, helpful. Yeah. Sorry. Anyway. Uh, the reason we're talking about Hydra is today our film was Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Uh, spoilers! <laughs> spoilers <laughs> Spoilers for this three-year-old film. This, uh, is, uh, this is the one where Captain
2: America fights the mythical Hydra. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he
0: was on the... <laughs> this was, is the second of labor, the 12, labor Yeah, one of the twelve labors of Captain America. <laughs> the second yeah. labor of Captain America. <laughs> um, this film was released... That would be-
1: that would be incredible if secretly all like they they had twelve Captain America movies planned and secretly each <laughs> one was very each subtly Hercules,
0: Hercules. Yep.
2: Uh, what, he has we just clean get to like, the stables. That's a yeah, real well, we good one.
1: To, yeah, we get to we get to uh, Captain America seven and he's just a stable boy. <laughs> the entire movie just two hours of him
2: shoveling shit. <laughs> But no, because uh, doesn't he clean it out with a river? Doesn't he redirect yeah. a river to uh, to clean it?
0: Yes, that I is thought, sure. I thought I thought he spent. Two that's hours how Hercules shoveling... did it. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. Captain America okay. does it totally differently. I thought Captain, Captain America spent America- two hours shoveling America. shit in uh, Age of Ultron. Um, that's
2: Captain America.
0: <laughs> Captain America. So Captain America: The Winter Soldier uh, came out in 2014. The, the Nemean Lion.
2: The Nemean Lion. The
0: Nemean Lion. Uh, the Lemurian Star. <laughs> which, is, uh, which is a uh, space colony inhabited entirely by lemurs. Um, <laughs> the film was directed by Anthony. It just and occurred
1: to Joe me Russo. lemuria must have uh, similar etymologies.
2: What? Mm. Lemuria and what? It just, occurred, it just occurred to me that lemurs and lemuria might have uh, similar etymologies. Maybe Madagascar is the original lemuria mm. before it sank well, into the sea. Madagascar used to be like 10,000 feet higher. And it just sank (laughs) into the sea, except for what is now Madagascar.
1: Yeah, it it used to be. It was Lemuria's Everest.
0: Mm. Yes, Lemuria's Everest is a lost Hemingway novel. (laughs)
2: Lemuria's
1: Everest. I just imagine hired glass scaling Madagascar. Yep.
0: (laughs) Anyway, covered in lemurs. (laughs) Film directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. They uh, formerly of, I believe, Community fame. Um, yes. Television, television's community. Televisions, Anthony and Joe mm-hmm. Russo bringing their talents to the big screen,
3: with, and uh, with uh, James Hong.
0: With yep, with uh, James Hong.
3: Oh, Aww. I would
0: explain why Danny putties in this. Uh, there you go. Um, film starring several actors from previous Marvel films, as well as a few newcomers, uh, namely Frank Grillo, Emily Van Camp. And uh, Robert Redford, uh, yeah. yeah, distinguished character actor, who, who I believe Damn you it. have theorized is reprising his role from Sneakers, Nick.
1: No, I just suggested that there should be slash fic between him and uh, this movie's Robert Redford. Got it,
0: got it. Well, I there...
1: don't think there's any. I don't think there's any way to square that circle where Sneakers Robert Redford
2: turns into this Robert
1: Redford. Oh,
0: there's always a way to square the circle. Oh,
2: you absolutely could. It's just like the hippies—they grew up and uh, voted for Reagan.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Yeah, life I meant to say life, Lin, life not James Life finds a way. Yeah, so we'll start off with a, uh, a quick recap and then get into it. And by quick uh, I recap, call it Billy by, and the Clonosaurus. Yeah, by quick recap, I mean I expect to be interrupted a few dozen times with every point. Um, Nonsense! Yeah. The there. Uh, oh, I'm so, I'm so sick, sick of that, of that guy. guy.
1: <laughs> it's the part I was born to play. <laughs>
2: How's that doctorate coming, Nick?
1: Uh, you know, another year.
0: <laughs> so we. I
1: did. I I did do a. Uh, I did do a uh, presentation for the department uh, like two months ago, and my very first slide was uh of, an image of Doctor Nick, and it said on the top, "Hi every... Hi everyone," on the bottom, it said, "Hi doctoral candidate, Nick."
0: <laughs> good, good. Make him laugh at the start, then they're on yeah, your nice. side. Yeah, uh, and I do address
1: every one of my emails to my students with "Hi, everyone." Just in case Hi, everybody? Hi everybody. Hi,
3: everybody.
1: hi, everybody. hi, everybody. Isn't it?
3: Yep. Everybody? No, I'm just saying it wrong.
1: Okay. I have to say it in his accent to remember everyone or everybody. What if you've been saying it wrong in your emails all this time? No, no. I, I, I am. I'm definitely like while I'm writing, I'm writing in Dr. Nick's voice, obviously. Oh, okay. so f- <laughs> hi everybody. <laughs> you on want a side to you- you- sign? <laughs> I just want to remind you all that the uh, that the assignment is due on Thursday and the screening is canceled tonight.
0: What accent is that? More Chico (laughs) marks. Anyway, uh, the film begins with uh, our hero, Captain America, Steve Rogers, lapping and belittling a black veteran on a uh, on a leisurely run around uh, all of the major monuments in Washington. I assume. Yes.
1: Seems like it. Apparently, a thirteen-mile route that he does in a half hour.
0: Yep, which is booking it.
1: That is insane. That's yeah, twice that's like as a head. horse. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is twenty-six miles an hour. That is insane.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, they, they have a little meet cute, and uh, and uh, Sam Wilson, who is uh, played by Anthony Mackie uh, in this case, uh, gives Steve one more thing to add to his list of. Uh, of pop cultural things that he needs to absorb to bring himself back up to speed, because Steve was frozen since 1945 and is now a man out of time. Did I you guys
2: notice? I screen the, only, the list. I was gonna say, did you notice what the only thing on the list that was marked off was?
0: I did. It was. I. Star, I it was Star Wars.
2: Yes. Ah. But he
1: hasn't gotten to Thai food yet, and that's crazy because Thai food is delicious.
0: So the, the list consists Star Wars.
2: He was afraid that it was uh, food made from or made by uh, people in Thai fighters.
0: Mm-hmm. Waka waka waka. So the <laughs> list includes uh, I Love Lucy, the Moon Landing, the Berlin Wall, Up and Down, uh, Steve Jobs (parentheses Apple), Disco, Thai food, Star Wars crossed out slash Trek. Maybe he uh, maybe he crossed out Star Wars because he. He meant to write down Star Trek, but got it wrong. Awesome. Someone told him that, hey, don't watch Star Wars, watch Star Trek. Uh, Nirvana, parentheses, band). Rocky, parentheses, Rocky 2, question mark? Parentheses, <laughs> and That Rocky, is correct. Yep. It should have trouble, said
2: man. 4, question mark. That would have been more appropriate for him, yes. I think.
1: Rockies 2 through 4 are clearly the ones you're supposed to watch. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes.
0: And Creed. You can skip Rocky 5 and even Rocky Babo, but come back for Creed.
2: I still have not actually
0: seen Creed. I need to I watch Creed, seen Creed either. Creed's really good. Um, I mean,
2: really, you should just watch one, three, and four.
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah, just, that's true. is not that necessary. Yeah, 2, two what happens at the end of two, he becomes a champion. Well, we know that at the beginning of three. Um, yeah.
1: Like okay. like two is very much the second is is very much Rocky one redux. So let's just
0: have another mm-hmm. fight with Apollo Creed. Yeah, but I mean this it's, it's Rocky.
2: It's Rocky One, but yeah, this time he actually gets to win.
0: So we're wow. two minutes. Uh, we're two minutes into the film.
1: Uh, At <laughs> like eight and eight minutes into you explaining the film, and we are discussing the Rocky movies yeah, right now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, Scarlett. You Johansson. Can say that we're off to a rocky start. Walka walka walka. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson uh, pulls up in a very conspicuous car. Uh, establishing a theme for her throughout the film, which is that despite apparently being the world's greatest spy, she is also its least subtle. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pulls the incredibly famous Captain America into the car, and they go speeding off to an adventure. This to the is- Indian Ocean! To the Indian Ocean! <laughs> where they are to board a uh, a freighter, the Lem- uh, Lemurian Star, is that correct? Yes. <laughs> Star. Uh, Not run entirely by monkeys, but actually hijacked by a French mercenary named Batroc, uh, and we know he's the Vladimir. lemurs
2: are not technically monkeys.
0: Yep, Batroc the lemur. <laughs> They're um... not. Just screws right over that one. Yep, that was appropriate.
2: Well, the Lemurians in Marvel are bourbon. Hmm. Anyway, the lemur- lemur- Lemurians look the- at the Ethel Merman star.
0: <laughs> yeah, the Ethel Merman star. Y'all be swell. Was Ethel
3: Merman a oh, merman?
0: Was- Is that Bobcat Goldthwait guesting with us? Um,
3: Was Ethel Merman a merman?
0: Anyway, so Cap uh, jumps out of an airplane without a parachute, uh, lands in the water, boards the ship, and starts killing these terrorists to uh, liberate the ship for S.H.I.E.L.D., In the meantime, uh, Scarlett Johansson is on a covert mission behind his back to steal S.H.I.E.L.D. data on a conspicuously S.H.I.E.L.D. branded thumb drive. Uh, back in Washington, D.C., uh, Nick Fury, using some of that information, uh, realizes that uh, the secret S.H.I.E.L.D. project, that's Project Insight, which is not one, not two, but three helicarriers, (laughs) um, uh, could be compromised and goes to S.H.I.E.L.D. uh, official. I'm not quite sure of the hierarchy here, but I guess he's like uh, Secretary of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that. He's, uh, chancellor. he's chancellor. He's chancellor of the
2: phones for Shield. Exactly.
0: Yeah, he's really looking forward to second. He's high Duke. Day. He is high Duke of Shield. Yeah. Um, Alexander Pierce, uh, played by Robert Redford, uh, who is ostensibly benevolent and friendly, but well, look at the casting. Yeah. Sh- look, at the, look at the casting sheet and try to guess who the villain is. Uh, <laughs> uh is it is it Kobe Smolders? It's Kobe Smulders. Um, because she broke America's heart. Yeah. She ended up being the mother, or not, but he still ended up with her. Do you guys,
2: do you guys think that Nick Fury is a furry?
0: Nick Fury, Agent of (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, anyway. So, Nick Fury goes and presents this information to Alexander Pierce, asks for the, uh we should say transparently bad idea of three enormous death ships yeah like there's that a, can there's kill some... people from thousands of miles away
1: yeah, like, the movie is not particularly subtle that S.H.I.E.L.D. has clearly lost its way but even before Hydra, uh, the Hydra reveal, but there still seems to be some attempt to make it seem as though what Nick Fury is suggesting here with the helicarries might be a good idea when he first reveals it to Captain. I'm like, no, this is a bad idea. Wait, here's the thing. What
0: like, he, tell- he tells <laughs> this story to Cap in the elevator about his grandfather, who was an elevator operator, and it's like, yeah, grandfather loved people, but he didn't trust them. And it's like, Okay, so you're, you're building this story, you're building that theme, yeah. and you, you can follow that. And then the next logical leap is, so we built these three Star Destroyers.
3: Yeah,
1: we, we have built a thing, and in his pitch, in his I'm not evil, here's why this is a great idea, here's a thing that can kill thousands of people a second. Literally he says thousands of targets a second. I'm like, why do you need that? What not evil use is there for this? You've built the Death Star and named it the Death Star. What is the benevolent use of this?
2: <laughs> uh, it's the Lemurian Star.
0: Yeah. Excuse me. The the um, and, and it's not even like they try to spin it as, we just had a massive alien invasion. We just had, you know, yeah, these af- interdimensional creatures. It's, you know, if some guy pokes his head out of a hole in Afghanistan. We'll, we'll shoot him uh, and 999 hundred other people. Yeah. Is
2: there any? I mean, is there any attempt to address the Hella, helicarrier that they had in the Avengers film?
0: Yeah, but there, they, they there already was had only, one, right? Yeah, but see, the difference but, is one one was able to three, kill a thousand people. Yeah, there's minutes. three of them now. Yeah, and they're satellite. And that one links. had a cloaking device, right? Yep. Yeah, they're satellite linked, <laughs> and they can kill thousands of people because apparently the previous helicarrier could not do this thing.
1: No, no, it just yeah. had incredible stealth technology. Yeah. Goddamn flying city in the sky, but was not sufficiently murderous enough. Well, to save
2: lives, we have to shoot them out of the sky. Yeah. Fortunately, so, they don't land on anyone. No, 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 no. No, they la- those things land right in the river.
0: We're getting we're yes. getting ahead of ourselves because yes, uh, uh, spoilers. spoilers. What once this is revealed and Fury has second thoughts about his Death Legion, he's, and only yes. once he has seen the data. Only
1: once, only at that point, does he have doubts about the goddamn flying murder machines. Look, data doesn't lie? What's what <laughs> sets
0: him off? What sets him off is um the idea that he doesn't have high enough security clearance. To yeah. understand what these machines are. So he goes to a guy above him, presents his concerns, and is then shocked when an attempt on his life is made as soon as he leaves the building. Gasp. Gasp. Um, so Nick Fury trying to get away. He is attacked by other cars and then by a mysterious assassin who we are to know as the Winter Soldier. um Who, uh, yeah,
3: um, who could it be? Wearing, I wonder. He's
0: wearing a mask. He's got goggles on. Um, yeah. Uh, so he attacks, uh, Cap, uh, Fury ends up at Cap's apartment, warns him that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been compromised using his phone, uh, and is then... His paper's sh- too simple. Yeah, paper's too simple. Uh, gets gunned down by the Winter Soldier and hands the S.H.I.E.L.D. branded flash drive off to Captain America. Uh, Fury goes into surgery and is pronounced dead. Um... So Yeah, yeah, we've got, uh, we had our first uh, irreversible casualty in the Avengers when Coulson was killed, and now we have our second irreversible casualty with Nick Fury. An irreversible
1: casualty that has already been reversed as, at this point, the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is airing and does not become good until after this movie.
0: Yeah, this movie did wonders for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: (laughs) Yes, no. Well, to be more accurate, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was digging around until this movie came out so they could actually yeah. get good. We, we, yeah, we
0: got uh, we got 14 episodes to burn, guys.
1: Something. I think it was even more than that, but it was a lot of fucking episodes. Yeah. It, it, was like... it was like
0: two-thirds of the way through the first season. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so, Fury's dead, and Pierce, uh, our benevolent friend, Alexander Pierce, invites uh, Captain America to meet with him. Uh, Cap... Uh, shows a little backbone and he leaves and is immediately attacked in an elevator before he even gets out of the building um but did you guys find it odd that he didn't
2: choose to get off the elevator
3: at any point <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean he true. he he makes the observations and then as soon as the elevator closes he's like so uh We're going to do this thing. Does anyone anyone want to get off?
0: Well, he starts making (laughs) the observations like when the first group gets on. And I think there's three different groups that gets on. When the second one gets in the elevator, he could have gotten off then.
2: Well, when the third one gets in the elevator, he's already decided that he's already like clearly figured out what's going on and he could have gotten off right then <laughs> well present like we see that there's
1: like eight different SWAT teams like on different floors waiting for him I'm sure that they had mm. contingencies ready for you know yeah, that's pays him in the right. back as he tries to get off and you know the SWAT teams get him
2: yeah yeah one of the floors is just a giant boulder <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, One of them has a pit trap. Yeah, <laughs> One bit... of them is full of dogs. It's like Just a... regular dogs. One of them bats
1: that fly in a way that when you try to jump around them, you always end up hitting them, and then you yeah. fall into spikes, ah, and you the, fucking hate those the knock, bats. The
0: One of them has is terrible.
2: hounds with bees in their mouths. So yeah. they, bark, and they shoot bees at you. It's yeah. it's One I, don't I don't know if you guys knew this, but Captain America, you
1: hit them, you turn to stone, and the then bees. you take more damage. And it's just fucking the worst? He's God actually allergic to bees.
0: Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah, it's a it regular The that. Raid Redemption, but in reverse. <laughs> so, uh, there's an elevator fight, and Cap uh, jumps Pretty out of cool jumps fight. out yeah, of windows, uh, is unscathed. Yes, because um, of
2: because of serums.
1: And, serums and jump out Don't of
0: forget his shield. He's
2: the Marvel Superman.
0: Yep. Is uh, is he,
2: empowered by uh, by uh, America.
0: Yep. Well, yeah. So he, he links, power of our yellow America links up with Black Widow, uh, who is the uh, apparently the only person he can trust. And they go to an Apple store and decrypt the <laughs> Shield hard drive on an ultra <laughs> public computer on a public yes. Wi Fi network. Yep. Um,
1: I have a lot of questions about their plan.
0: It works. It works out well. They get away. They, <laughs> they make up. out. Yep. They <laughs> work out through the
1: power of PDA. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Uh, they end up in scenic New Jersey, at uh, I believe the Army base where Steve was originally trained. Yes. Um, and find a very old tape-powered supercomputer <laughs> using the hard drive with with a USB dongle. Yep. Yes. Uh, and the supercomputer Gasp contains Toby Jones' consciousness. Uh, <laughs> Gasp!
1: Oh my God! It's Truman Capote.
0: Truman Capote himself. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Secret Hydra. Oh yeah, so Robert Redford in sneakers becoming Robert Redford in uh, this movie is implausible. But please tell me how Truman Capote became a computer Nazi. <laughs> I I I think uh,
1: I think uh, it speaks for itself. I think yeah. I, mean, I think I'm not, I'm not going to insult our listeners by you know drawing them what, such an obvious picture. Yeah, don't give me a math.
0: Yeah.
2: Clearly, he was a juggalo all along.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Truman Capote, big Fago guy. Yes. Sir. Anyway, so Truman Capote tells Captain America uh, that uh not only is SHIELD uh not only is Shield deviation
1: the twist of the movie although when you watch it outside of that context you go it's an hour and a half into this movie and you're making a real big deal out of the fact that this guy's Bucky um, but I think the only thing prior to that that gives us anything about Bucky if you happen to have forgotten this character which seems a reasonable thing to have done from the first movie I feel like it's not that un- unusual that somebody would not remember this guy who dies like halfway he was through was less important.
0: he was less distinct in the first movie than Neil McDonough was
1: yeah Uh, But, like, when he goes to the Air and Space Museum, when uh, Captain America goes to the Air and Space Museum the first time, Mm -hmm. like, there's, like, the voiceover and we have, like, a 30-second shot of the Bucky memorial. But, like, if you didn't happen to be paying attention to that, uh, there's that moment when uh, it's like, oh, my God, it's Bucky. And Bucky's response is, who the hell is Bucky? I couldn't help but think a lot of people in the audience will be asking that exact same question because who
2: the fuck is Bucky? Well, when they show that, the clip in the Air and Space Museum, it feels shoehorned in. Like, there, it doesn't seem like there should be any reason for them to have this, like, specific voiceover about his childhood friend who mm-hmm. was the only, uh... He was
1: the only howling commando who yeah. gave his life for America, damn it! Yeah. So now we oh, yes. know that
0: none of the howling commandos gave their lives for America. What the hell were they worth?
1: That's Yeah, fucking <laughs> dum-dum? What a coward.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, the the thing, I don't know, the thing about that that bothered me was, and this is what, so, this is not my favorite Marvel film. I would say Guardians of the Galaxy is probably there. On a personal level, I enjoy the first Captain America more than this, although that is not a comment on the quality of the film, I think, as much as it is a matter of taste. Mm-hmm. but the the thing that stuck with me is I remember when this came out it it was talked about as being you know a, a, a not just a very good film but a great film like yeah. The, um yeah i I will still grant that it is very good um but it it didn't feel great this time around and and part of that was the the twist which I think is a structural issue yeah part of it was that there are points in the film that have you know feel artistically done but generally it feels kind of like in the marvel house style it's not a, a particularly visually interesting film and when i compare it to you know i mean that's true of a lot of marvel movies yeah, marvel
1: movies are not particularly visually interesting that's
0: kind of the point we're at right now um but when i compare it to um you know i i will say i think captain america the first avenger did have some interesting visual stuff in it with the world oh, yeah. setting. And then when I compare it to what we would consider, like, otherwise genuinely great uh, comic book films, you know, and the obvious one is, like, The Dark Knight, um, I saw the seams more uh, in this. I I
1: feel, like, The Dark Knight, I think I have a similar relationship to The Dark Knight to what you've just been describing, because... I, I feel like The Dark Knight has not aged very well, and I see a lot of seams when I when I yeah. watch that movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh, in a way that, and yes, I, I completely agree that, like, while I was watching this last time, uh, last night, and this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've seen this movie. This is certainly of the MCU movies, uh-huh. the one I have seen the most times, and of, like, comic book movies, probably outside of some of the Batman movies. I don't Batman think there's any other... Yeah, but well, certainly Batman and Robin. But you know, it's possible. Well, probably over the years, I may have seen like the the first Batman or Batman uh, Begins or things like that more times. Um, But um, like, yeah, certainly while I was watching it last night, like, yes, the there is this bizarrely long slog of like, who's the Winter Soldier? When are they going to tell us who the Winter Soldier is? I fucking know who the Winter Soldier is. Why are we fucking uh, doing this? But uh, I mean. That, I, like, in a lot of ways, the movie sets that up to be the twist, like he is the title character. But that's not really the twist of the movie. And I remember, like, when I went to see this movie for the first time, uh, I went to see it with several other people, uh, including two, two of my uh, two of my friends from uh, my grad program, both of whom were uh, probably the biggest comic book fans that I've ever known. And the, probably, I imagine from our conversation before the movie starting, they probably knew like what the what the twist of the movie was is cuz like I was talking about it's kind of interesting how they're not really hiding the fact who but who the winter soldier is like going into this if you've been following the marketing it's not really going to be a twist and one of them said to me nick don't don't worry that's not the twist but i think the twist of you know hydra hydra exists hydra is in uh shield i think does still work really well and i certainly remember at the at that time um like just you know having Having Truman Capote tell us that uh, that uh, he's been working and he's a he's a you know AI Nazi working inside mm-hmm. uh, Shield the entire time uh, works really well and I think you know to the extent like I feel like Agents of Shield has sort of spun off into its own thing much more mm-hmm. recently but at the time there was this really you know fascinating integration where you know the week after this movie came out. Everything that happened in this movie happened in the TV show, and suddenly all of these characters in S.H.I.E.L.D. have to deal with the fact, holy shit, we're surrounded by Nazis.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: Hydra are not Nazis. They're fucking Nazis. Shut up, Marvel. <laughs> they're
3: Nazis.
1: You made Captain America a Nazi for stupid reasons.
0: It was poorly considered. It was, uh, it
1: was poorly
0: everything. Now, I, I wonder, dude. They're Nazis. Nazis. Dude, your thoughts on this. Um, you had the Hydra twist, which I agree does does still come off very well. And there are points where, you know, they kind of call it like, they bring back Gary Shandling. And uh, <laughs> Sitwell sit had been another thing. Sitwell! Um, <laughs> but, like, we are given the impression that this had been planned out f- basically, since the beginning of the MCU. And I am just wondering, like, to, to what extent do you buy that? Versus, they then looked back and said, oh, we could make Gary Shandling a Nazi.
2: I, I mean, I think I said when we were watching Iron Man, or when we watched Iron Man, that, uh-huh. um, I think that they had ideas for how they were gonna lay groundwork for Hydra from the beginning. Because there's one very distinct scene where, uh, I think it's when, uh, iron man and what's he called like the iron mongol
0: iron monger iron monger Monger are fighting
2: i don't know (laughs) um and he i think tony stark gets like hurled into a bus that says like hydrogen powered and he gets uh, the 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 gen gets uh knocked out so it just says hydra powered Mm. and it it seems like they were subtly trying to say, like, oh, Hydra's here now. Maybe the ironmonger is Hydra. But they hadn't really figured out yeah. where they were going with it yet. And I mean I, I think that was probably like a gesture at it, but they didn't and they changed direction. so yeah. they, they never ended up using that uh idea. And so I think they probably wanted to do something like that, but uh um uh, I, I think that the Russo brothers probably. Well, I don't know, you know who yeah. who is like writing the larger plot points.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, but I, uh, I, I guess this was the third time that I saw this film, and I think I do like it as much as I did originally. But um, the the Hydra stuff I still find very interesting, and the Bucky stuff I find almost completely uninteresting. But. It it doesn't feel as poignant as it did then because now, I mean, we were still pretty surprised about, you know, the Snowden revelations about the NSA at the time. And this felt very poignant to me. Mm -hmm. I I felt like this was the first Marvel movie that felt like it was trying to have a conversation about something other than what was going on in the Marvel universe. Uh, And I still think that it's very interesting for that reason, but... it it doesn't feel as relevant because all of that is kind of old news now. Uh, But I do think that it it marks, or it's a a kind of a benchmark film in that I can't think of any other Marvel film that felt like it was specifically relevant to any kind of contemporary political issues.
1: Yeah, they, like, this is certainly the most political of of the movies. Like, they tend to be, like, obviously you can get into sort of like, you know, they're encouraging certain sort of Western capitalist ideas, and obviously all of that's political. But like, this is clearly yeah. the one with the most sort of political text, yeah. if, if, to say nothing of political subtext uh, that you can read into. Well,
0: yeah, I mean, in the moment, I, I think you can, you can talk about stuff in the X-Men films thematically.
3: Yeah, yeah. Maybe,
0: yeah. maybe, well, maybe in like, the one where they call the Cuban Missile Crisis.
2: Yeah, but like a
1: lot of that's oh,
0: yeah. but, yeah. but like <laughs> yeah, but a lot, if that
1: had come out a, a week the...
2: after the Cuban Missile
0: Crisis, <laughs>
1: sure. But a lot of the a lot of the politics. Wow, this um, film
0: really predicted this. Yeah. yeah, a lot
1: of the politics of the X Men is sort of politics yeah. by analogy. Yeah, yeah, that's There's right. a metaphor yeah. that is like, oh, we're making a, a commentary on race relations or LGBT relations, yeah. things like that. That's that's. Uh, but like, this is very specifically about like, hey, what do we all think about the surveillance state? yeah, uh, and in, in a much more general sort of like, hey, we should be critical of this yeah, uh, kind of way no, that like I don't th-
0: it's less subtext or text than supertext.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, again, again, this is not a subtle thing. Nobody coming out of this movie hopefully goes, you know what I love well, the surveillance state. It was yeah. death
0: ships they had something they had something. Yeah. There. I mean,
2: he's not a subhero. He's no. a superhero.
1: That's yeah. true. But yeah, like of course, like, in terms of lack of subtlety, and we've talked about sort of like, the, the, the options here are either you're on the side of the paragon of American ideals or literal Nazis. Yeah, with, like, with those, are the, those are the two positions to take in this discussion of the surveillance I don't state. I let's,
0: let's, let's hear both sides. Let's hear both yeah. sides.
1: I mean, that's the way that the media functions. So we would hear a lot from the HYDRA agents explaining what they had done. How would
0: you like to be HYDRA's PR man? Like when all that stuff goes down, how would you like to have to go on? I would like, also on I would probably hide in the bushes weekend. as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm, but speaking of Hydra,
1: I'd also like to question the logic of like their plan. Like yeah. when, yeah. Uh, when Toby, what's his name? Uh, what is his last name? Jones. I forget. Jones. Jones. Toby-, Toby Jones lays out the entire plan. Essentially, he's yeah. like uh we tried to take over by force and we discovered that people don't like that which (coughs) duh. so what we did is we waited until everyone was so used to the surveillance state that they wouldn't mind when we launched diet giant and then we take over by force Yeah. And, and then and then we launch ships and murder twenty million people, but they'll all be cool with it now. I'm like, what? That's not how the surveillance
2: state works, Nazis. Yeah, Why I mean, don't like,
1: you understand? The, the,
2: the, it seems ridiculous that he tells him, you know, to stall stall for time while the missile gets here. He tells him the actual plan instead of literally anything else. That's true. There's no reason for him to do that. Yeah. He could aid no. a he, could, just he go- could have told him about the conspiracy against Christmas as a Hydra plot or something <laughs> like that. And, and he would have been stuck there just as long. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hi,
1: I'm your I'm like your secondary arch nemesis from the Second World War. I'm yeah. here as an AI. You're going to listen to whatever the fuck I have to say. And,
0: yeah. And- I mean, like he, he could have two things. One. He doesn't have to stop to tell him that he's been distracted. He could just wait for the missile I know. to hit. Yeah, Second, he could, could have let been it go on just a fucking ten seconds long. Like he could have he been just... doing anything. And yeah. like to, to your point, when the when the AI yes. like Nazi uh, Truman Cabote starts talking to you, you're gonna listen to what he has to say.
1: Yeah, he's fucking Toby Jones. You're clearly gonna listen to him. Yeah. But yeah, like I just remember I remember listening to that going like, okay. So you're right. Your theory is that people are going to be cool with your helicarriers now. Why? Why do you think that? I mean, at a, Why at are you at a, at
0: a high level, like, Hydra had already won. Like... Yeah. It, 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 it's like...
1: The helicarriers are where they went wrong. Like, yeah. if they had just kept going on as, like, we're going to do the surveillance state and we're going to kill people by drone strikes and, you don't know, do whatever it is we do, no, no one would have said shit about anything. But they decided... You know what we need? We need to murder 20 million people with well, giant flying
2: cities. Let's no. do that. To be fair, no one said anything, even when that plan was, like, okayed. It's yeah. only when Captain America reveals to everyone that HYDRA is hiding inside of S.H.I.E.L.D.
3: Yeah, the That's when that,
2: everyone gets upset.
3: Yeah, the fact if that everybody go, was going
2: along with the ships. I'm like, what
1: were yeah. you fucking thinking, S.H.I.E.L.D.? Like, I get why the evil... Just- I get why the Nazis are doing this, but everyone else, Agent 13, why do you think this is a good idea?
0: It's like that Monty Python sketch with the, uh, the world's deadliest joke where everyone like translates one word at a time. (laughs) So no one ever knows the entire joke. They just know their piece of it.
2: Compartmentalization.
0: Yeah. That's, uh, that's
2: a Nick Fury line. Uh, Mm, specifically says that, but, uh, if, if they had just not tried to kill Fury or, uh, captain america then they probably could have launched those things without a problem
3: yeah
0: yeah
2: like <laughs> they
1: probably like they probably would have gotten some pushback once they mi- murdered 20 million people but probably at that point yeah. you know there's not nick, many people nick to push nick back. Fury, <laughs> nick fury and tony stark and captain america were um, would be among those 20 million so people
0: that raised a question yeah. for me when the yeah, death uh, carriers show up where is iron man
1: yeah, he's in his yeah, he's in the his building. To show us because once the death carriers get three thousand feet above Washington D.C., they can apparently hit targets two hundred twenty-five miles away in New York City as yeah. the as the mean, targeting
3: shows
2: I I feel like that's not that unrealistic. Maybe not with straight line bullets. But if you can fire a missile from D.C. to hit New York, then something yeah, that is... Totally above but they're DC not firing West. missiles. They have downward-facing
1: machine guns. Yeah. This is how they're going to hit something uh, 1.2 million feet away
0: from a height of 3,000 feet. So it was a poorly considered plan. Poorly <laughs> executed, I think is what we're getting at. Which yeah, really no. questions mean, about... I mean, it's it's a
1: very... Well, to be, fair, to be fair, their leader is an AI
0: Nazi. Well, is yeah. he the leader
1: or is uh, I assume he's got some important planning. I feel like, like he's you know.
0: kind of the executive chairman at this point, like they give him a fair title, enough. but he's not he's really not, involved in the day to day. That's true, he's not high duke if he's living underground
2: on a on a uh, uh, what do you call it, a disengaged army base? What do you call it when you stop using it? Decommissioned? Decommissioned. Thank you. Decommissioned yeah. army base, which is clearly uh, the
0: place to be, uh, out yeah, in the middle yeah. of rural New Jersey. Yeah, he's enjoying yeah. his comfortable retirement. Below, new did Jersey? you like how uh,
2: how Captain America was able to uh, to figure out where the secret base was because he'd memorized like all of the army uh yeah, new army regulations I that was great. about where mun- munitions dumps can be in relation to barracks.
0: Yeah. so with on the he couldn't
2: have of... just said this wasn't here when i used to work here
1: yeah, exactly yeah. like that's a weird thing let's go check out mm-hmm. that building that's new and looks
2: suspicious
0: on the before topic we of... uh... okay you go ahead and then we'll, we'll talk about the high duke
2: um <laughs> high duke. I, I hadn't really thought about how many is like part of uh steve's like existential crisis in this film is that there's no one left from his era. He can't yeah. date because there's no one who shares his life experience. But during the course of the movie, he meets or he interacts with three different people who are alive from his era. One of them uh, has Alzheimer's and yeah. dies. Uh, one of them this
3: one. She
0: dies the next
2: one. Oh, okay. Um... Yeah, she dies in Civil War. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, she's got Alzheimer's and he can't really relate to her or have a relationship yeah. with her. One and of she's them got really bad she's... makeup on.
0: Yeah, it's not, as, not as good. <laughs> Yeah. And she's
2: kind of lazy. She just, like, lies in lazy. bed all the
3: time. Yeah,
2: yeah come on. Uh, and one of them is his childhood best friend, who also has no memory of him, uh, and is evil now, I guess, and brainwashed. Uh, and also has, like, a metal arm, and, like, how do you relate to that? Yeah. But uh, yeah. and keeps one punching of them, his shield out of the air. It's very rude of him. Yeah, is uh, an evil computer program uh, who used to be his arch nemesis.
0: You could uh, argue but, that the evil computer is the most relatable. Like they might. Yeah, be able because, he like, because he actually is aware
2: of what Steve like, has been through and can talk to him about
3: it. Yeah,
1: they seem to have a nice sort of uh, you know yeah, back like and forth. Uh, back and forth like uh, although, before. what I find interesting is when you said he encountered three people from his time era. I started mm-hmm. counting. And I went, all right, there's Peggy, and there's Toby Jones, and I couldn't think of the third one. I couldn't think of the <laughs> no title, title, title character either. of this movie. I was like, who's the third one? Who's the third well, one? Alex not that old.
3: That
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, Tommy Lee Jones, yep. who actually is an immortal. <laughs> yes. God, that would be amazing!
0: If they brought him back in Captain America 4? Uh, yeah! So you've, you've got uh, the High Duke of Hydra, who's played by Robert Redford, and um, and I, I remember this is, again, the Hydra twist works well. The twist that Robert Redford is the villain is not a is twist. The well, yeah, because, I mean,
1: before the Hydra twist, it seems like the villains are S.H.I.E.L.D.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, e- even more than and that. he's still like, obviously
1: the villain of S.H.I.E.L.D. then.
0: But he's also obviously the biggest name in the cast that was not in previous films and yes. also has the gravitas to play a villain. Yes. Um, and and,
2: sorry, I gotta find my cat. You gotta
1: find your
0: cat. Um, well, actually,
1: do you mind taking a short break just because I need to pee? So if he's gonna wander off, I'll go pee. Uh,
0: I'll mark this down. Yeah, we Uh, all pee for ice cream. Making a note.
2: Oh wow, you guys left. Hello, <laughs> Yeah, they're sexy <laughs> come here often now uh, uh, once every couple months. Um, so I was hearing a lot of scrabbling around behind me and I could not see Hermione anymore and it turned out that she had gotten into a giant box uh, that is full of junk food, which I have put into a giant box so that I in our like spare bedroom so that I don't see it and am therefore less likely to eat it uh. She, she had just like, because certain logic of that. Yeah, it's not taped shut or anything. It's just giant and has like something on top, so you can't lift it open. But because it's so big, she was able to like slip down in the middle between the flaps. But then she could not get out again because there was something on. Actually, what's on top of it, Stefan? You might remember this. It's your old laundry basket. <laughs> ah,
0: it still lives. It does.
2: Uh, That is how big the box is. I don't know if you can actually... Oh, wow. It's quite big. It looks like she's trying to get back into it. Yes, she's very keen on it now.
0: That laundry Uh, basket and I had some good times.
1: I have the same (laughs) laundry basket, but, like, obviously not.
0: Obviously not not as old and grabby as yours. (laughs) No, so I I, I do want to talk about this, though. um, Oh, yeah, no. Because... So we we talk about the Bucky twist, and... Mm Yeah. There is critical information about the relationships and the characters in this film that is not communicated in this film in any meaningful way. And oh. arguably wasn't communicated in the last film in any meaningful <laughs> way. And will ostensibly be communicated in the next film in any meaningful yeah. way. Um, and the, the question that raises for me is we're talking about not just franchise filmmaking, but mega-franchise filmmaking. I mean, spread over many, many different films and many different pieces. And yet, the emo- what is supposed to be the emotional core of this film um, just kind of drifts by almost non-existent. Is the film hurt by the fact that the burden of carrying the emotional weight of the film is on the previous and next film in the series? Or are we okay with that?
1: I mean I think I think what you were saying about it, it's not really in even in the first movie. I think I think that is a major problem for this for I mean the weight of Bucky's death in uh in uh the the first movie kind of uh kind of falls flat because like we're told that they're best friends and he's like a brother to He's my Steve. best friend. Exactly. We get a lot of that but I don't think we get enough that really shows us what their lives are, and I think I think the first movie, uh, the first Avenger, does a good job of sort of showing us a lot of what Steve's life is before the serum. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important part of that movie, but I don't think that it tells us enough about Bucky, uh, and Bucky's just kind of a guy who's around and like have a double date. Uh, and obviously it's a bit important for him to go rescue him then. But after that point, after the rescue, like the only other thing he does is he's one of the guys in the Howling Commando and he falls off a train, and Captain America is apparently sad about it, but he can't get drunk. Um, That's kind of the extent of the emotional arc of Bucky in the first movie, and it is a bit strange that they've decided Captain America movies are really going to be Bucky movies from now on. We're going to have two separate... Uh, Captain America movies, where the emotional thrust of this is, Captain America loves Bucky so fucking much. Yep. Uh, Captain but America also,
0: loves Bucky so much, he will sell out both his country and the Avengers.
1: Yeah. Uh, And, like, I have a lot of issues with Civil War, and we'll, we can talk about that more once we get to it. But I think the movie does probably a better job of, like, selling us on that emotional bond. Mm-hmm. But I think probably there's a lot of other issues that i have with it um but also also when you have sebastian stan clearly you're gonna use him because that man good god
0: but you're covering him up you're covering him up the whole film
1: yeah but he's got the great mascara he's got the fucking awesome hair oh man that man is sexy
0: so do you think that before he leaves the uh hydra compound where he's been frozen do you think they apply the mascara then or do you think he does that when he's gearing up
1: I ask that a lot whenever they, do, whenever you have a superhero supervillain where mascara is clearly a large part of their uh, costume. Particularly when it's somebody like Batman where they're clearly wearing a ton of eye makeup when they're wearing the mask and the mask comes off and the eye makeup's gone.
2: Yeah. Are you guys talking about the Hot Topic movie? <laughs> yes. The Emoji movie
1: starring Patrick Stewart as the poop emoji.
0: Hmm. Wow. I learned <laughs> yeah. something today.
1: Yeah, you learned that Patrick Stewart's going to be the poop emoji.
0: I just watched the Inner Light episode of Next Generation. <laughs>
1: now imagine that man playing a poop emoji.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, Richard what? Rio. Comes. What? Yeah, Richard, <laughs> Richard Rio comes back at the end and he's like, it was you the whole time, old friend. And they cut back to Patrick Stewart and he's just a pile of poop. Yeah. The, are uh, are we upcoming... talking
2: about the, the Juggalo movie again?
0: Yeah. No, no,
1: the upcoming emoji movie, Patrick Stewart plays the poop emoji.
2: I was gone for like ten seconds to get my cat out of a box.
1: It
0: doesn't make any more sense. And no, no, it really... and I'm not
2: sure whether you're joking or not. No,
1: I am. I am dead serious. Patrick Stewart plays the poop emoji in the Emoji movie.
0: Well, now I see why they had to uh, had to kill him in uh, Logan. Spoiler alert! Uh, because his yes. plate was filled. His dance card was all uh, all filled up. Yes.
1: Well, I have not actually seen Logan yet, but also I'm not like that. That is not that does not seem like much of a spoiler to me. Yeah. Obviously, he was going to die by the end of that. Yep.
0: Huh. Patrick Stewart poop emoji. Okay. I, Patrick I'll,
1: Stewart poop emoji. I'll roll
0: with that. Oh, man. That's sad. I think we were talking
1: about Bucky at some point. Honestly, I got entirely sidetracked. Side I'm surprised.
2: It seems like that's the kind of thing that Patrick Stewart would be gung ho about at this point in his career.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm.
2: I feel like he's just saying yes to all of the bizarre things that he can. <laughs> Say yes to the dress man, just do it. Okay. Patrick Stewart, host of next year's Say yes to the dress.
1: That'd be Pat- amazing.
0: Patrick Stewart, host of next year's RuPaul Drag Race. <gasps> I mean, Patrick I, I, Stewart's
1: I, a drag race. I would I would totally watch that. I would watch the ever loving shit out of that. Although I would not want to lose Ru. It would have to have a way where but where they co-hosted.
0: They can tag team it.
1: Yeah, oh god, that would be hot. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, so we were talking about Bucky. Um, <laughs> talking At some about point, mascara, yes. Um, which my wife insists is not mascara. If is he's eyelashes. But, if, but he's, he looks like he's... Been Eyeshadow. 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 Eyeshadow, is
2: that what it's called? Madagascar. That's what you're thinking of. Madagascar.
0: Madaga- Madagascar. She's just shaking her head now. <laughs> All right lemurs oh uh, lemurs. dude wanted me to ask you if uh, and i think it's because he saw your pink hair and also your dress if you were dressed uh, like cosplaying as kiki's delivery service but just at home
2: i didn't know it was pink hair it looked like she had a, red ribbon, you you had a red ribbon in
3: her hair pink hair in her hair
2: does she, she have
1: pink hair
0: she has like pink streaks in her hair oh Yep.
1: very nice yep i imagined her having entirely pink hair
0: nope she's uh the
1: bridge too far
0: yeah, she's not quite uh, Ramona Flowers.
1: Okay. Yeah. You were always a Knives Chow, man, anyway. Oh, well, I married a Knives yeah. Chow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, anywho... Hey, let's get back to that movie we're ostensibly talking about. Ostensibly. I've been sidetracked by four or five different things. Okay,
0: so yeah, the the buck the Bucky arc is ostensibly the emotional thrust of these movies, but it is more implied than, than actually yeah. realized. Yeah.
1: I mean, again, I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways, the Winter Soldier, as the subtitle, as ostensibly the a plot of this movie, is in a lot of ways a feint. D- like, yeah, like the this is this movie is not Captain America, uh, the Winter Soldier. It's Captain America: The Rise of Hydra, or something like that but they but they wanted to keep that a secret so you know they called it serpent society and secretly it was actually civil war uh,
3: serpent society
1: serpent society uh so yeah i mean i think i think you know obviously the movie sort of enforces this idea that it's the a plot but i think you know at least the way that i read it the way that i appreciate the movie i don't i don't necessarily get that bogged down in the buckiness of it all but, you know, obviously, you know, it's not going to be the same way for other people. And particularly if you're – if for some reason you didn't see this movie when it came out and you're watching it now without the benefit of, you know, benefit or whatever you want to call it, of the marketing that surrounded this movie, obviously your your interpretation of it without those paratexts is going to be very different.
0: Yeah. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, yeah. was Scarlett Johansson in this movie. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, well, actually, wait before we before we do that I mean you we, we seem to start talking about uh Alexander Pierce but didn't really
0: okay yeah that's say right. a lot there that's fair um
1: uh, and I, I think I mean we've talked a lot about uh about sort of the quality of Marvel uh, villains in the past and like at least personally like I feel like both Bucky and Alexander Pierce sort of fall into that trap of a lot of Marvel heroes where they're they're just the Marvel hero, but an evil version of it. Like, Bucky Mm -hmm. and Captain America clearly have a lot in common, and Alexander Pierce is in many ways the evil uh, Nick Fury. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think it does... I would say certainly you know, it falls into that sort of trap of being like, not all that interesting a villain, and you know, dude just looking at Bucky O'Hare imagery right there. But I I would still say, like, and maybe this is just, you know, the quality of uh, Robert Redford. I would certainly... I would still probably put Alexander Pierce in like the upper quartile of Marvel villains, which probably just says more about the relative quality of Marvel, particularly MCU villains.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I would say that that's, I don't think it's because Alexander Pierce is a particularly interesting character. Uh, I think yeah, it's, it's because, fine. yeah, but um, this is, I think, an area where Marvel's, I don't want to say stunt casting, but their star driven casting kind of served them very well. Um, yeah. Because the, the character lives and dies by what Robert Redford brings to him. And Robert Redford is an old pro who can bring pretty much anything to anything. Yeah.
1: And particularly as, like, a lot, uh, there's clearly a lot of influence of sort of uh, yeah, political thrillers door. in this movie. And uh, political thrillers are, in a lot of ways, sort of. Robert Redford's wheelhouse like a lot of his best remembered best loved roles fall into that genre so I think it and you know we have that sort of reverse sort of reverse typecasting where he's you know the sort of the American hero of all these different sort of political thrillers of the 70s and 80s and here obviously that gets twisted around into him as Alexander Pierce representing sort of the establishment in a lot of different ways but
2: you know yeah
0: dude what do you think? Are you still looking at Bucky O'Hare pictures?
2: Um, I was trying to think of the the different political thrillers that I've actually seen Robert Redford in, uh, and then I was thinking about that uh, knife fight scene, in which cast and Sundance Kid. Uh, <laughs> that's no, Paul Newman, the no most political of thrillers.
0: Uh, so, Three Days of the Condor. Uh, he was he was the candidate yeah. in the candidate, um, um, yeah, and,
1: and all the presidents men. Those Our were those were the men. three. Those were the three I was primarily thinking yeah. of. Yeah. I mean sneakers you could say is a political thriller. Yeah, well, you can make yeah, well. um, again I've discovered from time. trying to I've discovered <laughs> from trying to make jokes about sneakers that sneakers is not as well remembered a uh, cultural, cultural touchstone that
3: you... yeah I tried but to I tried I to mean, make a joke
1: about the about voice activation and I made like a this is my voice this is my password reference and yeah. no one knew what I was talking about I'm like oh no one remembers sneakers
3: hmm. uh,
2: I I think that sneakers is it might be the only Film about um, like Unfreaks? digital or like the digital age or uh, like the internet era or espionage like um, mm-hmm. uh, of that type that has aged well and has somehow not gone out of date. except oh, yeah.
1: for... I think it's more. I think it's actually more relevant now than yeah. it was at the era. But yeah, like I got that for Christmas and I watched it with my parents and they
2: loved it. it and I mean, it is it's, it's a remarkable. Re- but uh, the only thing in it that I can think of that has gone out of date is the fact that anyone would have like a physical answering machine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like there's there there are some there are some minor yeah. things in terms of the technology. Uh, but yeah. I feel like they
2: just kind of uh, highlight how much of it is still relevant. <laughs> yeah,
0: I have like, not actually seen sneakers. You wow, should well. absolutely watch sneakers. Yeah. It's
2: you know.
1: It's That's an excellent great. thriller, and it's all about like just how damaging to our security uh, if somebody figured out a way to uh, break all encryption. Yeah, how, how fucked all of our security would be, yeah. and and you know when this was made in the nineteen uh, early nineteen like nineties. <laughs> yeah, it's like I think ninety two, ninety three. I think it's pretty yeah. early. Like at the time, like their examples that are like somebody could get into the FBI database, somebody could crash some planes. But now, as we live live lives where all of our, pretty much all of our information, all of our data is entirely protected yeah. by encryption, imagining what would happen if somebody were able to just break all encryption ever.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, um, I saw it on TV in like nineteen ninety four. I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a really fucking good movie.
3: It's got yeah, Dan it's,
2: Aykroyd. It's got Sydney Poitier.
3: It's got Donald
1: Logue. Donald Logue. It's got, it's got Donald It's got Gandhi, Ben Kingsley, and and uh, Mary himself? McDonald. It's yeah. It's got Mary McDonald. You got yeah. President Posse uh, Pants.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: amazing. It's got a great cast. It's got oh, what's the other the the blind guy in there? What's yeah, that actor's it? name? I actor's mean, um,
0: David anyway. Yes. I'm looking at the cast list. I oh, know
1: okay. bl- I don't know who the blind guy. <laughs> I thought you would act. I thought I was like, how does he know that? No, I don't. I know thought who- perhaps you had uh, just guessed a random actor
0: and gotten it right. No, no. So what? What I, what I did was the cast I looked because
2: there are a couple surprises in there.
0: Yeah, I looked at the cast list. So sorry, spoiler. It does alert. have
2: Stephen Tobolowsky. Uh, I was yeah. going to
0: say if it if there's a care an actor in this film playing a blind guy, it's either Heron or Tobolowsky, and it depends. Is he a tragic blind guy or? a Comedic blind guy.
1: <laughs> oh, he's kind of comedic, but yet he yeah. is still the Strath uh Stra- 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 How do you pronounce that I nice always name? said Straythairn. Straight Strathern? Straight uh also I Googled sneakers and was disappointed to discover none of the results were those movies. I'm like,
2: alright. I'm going to Winnebago. What? Yeah. Winnebago.
0: I watched <laughs> anyway. uh, I, speaking that no, we're getting way off course. Oh, it's got River uh, Phoenix
2: in it. Speaking yeah.
0: of David Strathairn, <laughs> I rewatched L.A. Confidential again, uh-huh. not too long yeah. ago. Number one, still holds up. It's really incredibly good. Uh, number okay. two, I was really struck by and appreciated David Strathairn's performance in that this time around in a way I don't that I wasn't. Him. Which he's one the, is he in? He's now? the pornographer. Been a while so
1: since I've seen he, that. he, he looks—he
0: looks like John Waters in the film that makes sense. And just he he is not playing an overtly sleazy character. He is playing like the most subtle version of the pornographer that like apart from his mustache and maybe just the, the most, way he holds himself in a couple of scenes.
1: The most uh, subtle version of
0: the pornographer. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. It's a really good performance.
1: The Larry Flint story. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Also, uh, I, realized the
0: I realized that uh, the phrase, the way he's holding himself in a couple of scenes, may not... Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was
2: trying to figure out how to make that <laughs> into a joke that was somehow more overt than the, than what yeah. you had said.
1: So yes.
0: let's, let's bring it back around to Winter Soldier.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of amazed given like how much I like this movie, how off-topic we're getting. What was the one that we did last
0: time? Uh, Thor The Dark World.
1: Yeah, where we like we could not bring ourselves to talk about that movie because none of us like it. But we're just we're going real off topic here. We don't we don't
0: have Derek or Patrick to hold us uh, hold us down this time. That's true. They
1: they 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 are uh, they are our guiding lights. So
0: um the I I, I have two more topics on my list for this film. Um, and we can take them in whatever order you want. One is Scarlett Johansson, and the other is uh, the Russos themselves, and and the sort of Renee. Yeah, Renee Russo herself, uh, but like the path of Marvel directors. So which, sure. one do, which one do we want to start with, Scarlett Johansson or the directors?
1: I have no strong feelings. You, you, you had started on ScarJo before I interrupted you. So All right, you. Let's,
0: let's talk about ScarJo. Dude, strong feelings on ScarJo?
2: Oh, uh, since I first saw her in uh, The Man Who Wasn't There. Okay. And before you say how creepy that is, because she was like 16 at the time, I was the same age, because she's like... Three or four, five months younger than me. I think
0: (laughs) very precise, not at all creepy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. It's just it's. Wait, what am I supposed to be talking about about her?
0: I mean, one of the so here is my a a potential point of view, and you can argue for this or against this. Um, There has been some consternation among. Uh, fan groups, you know, why is there not a Black Widow movie?
2: Yeah, that's
1: absurd to now, me. A well, so, thought okay. I had while watching this movie! So, so that, yeah.
0: that's that's a question, though. I propose to you, and you can argue against this, that perhaps this film shows why there is not a Black Widow movie.
2: Hmm.
1: Uh, Elaborate
0: on that point. I was just going to say that... It, you, uh, you could spin this as a positive or a negative. Um... And I I am perhaps provocatively choosing to spin it as a negative. I think what struck me about Black Widow and Scarlett Johansson in this movie was, and this might to some degree be deliberate, the flexibility of her characterization. Okay. The Black Widow that we get in this film does not feel to me like the Black Widow we got in The Avengers, who does not feel to me like the Black Widow we got in Age of Ultron? Who does not feel to me like the Black Widow we got, albeit briefly, in Iron Man Two? I and mean,
1: that, I'll cer- that, i will—I I will certainly agree that like the characterization definitely goes way off the rails in Age of uh, Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. I'm not—I'm not entirely sure I agree with like that—that—that that, that it's necessarily as schizophrenic as uh you're describing here. But
0: the the things I'm thinking of really are kind of the she has a bit of snark to her in this and uh-huh. a bit of, um, you know, kind of flippancy. Yeah. that She didn't really have in the Avengers. Um, and what that communicates to me is she's being deployed in these films as a utility player. She's in them to fill a spot that is yeah. needed and fulfill a function that's needed. And because of that character, it works but I question how that might look in a film where she is the ostensible protagonist and what that film would look like. That's the the, the question. Right. And I, I am, I mean, I'm not glued to this, but it struck me while I was watching it.
1: I mean, I would say, like, yeah, certainly she is, you know... Uh, flippant, if you want to describe it that way, you know, a bit more playful and jokey in this movie. But I didn't necessarily read that as, you know, the flexibility of characterization or you know inconsistent characterization, but more just sort of as a testament to the bond that she and Steve have. Yeah. Like, because I feel like she has a she c- certainly at least at this point in in the uh, in the MCU continuity uh, is as closely bonded to any of the Avengers as she is with him. Uh, In a way that obviously there's much more detachment in uh, certainly in Iron Man too. In Iron Man two, where she's just sort of being an undercover spy, or um, Avengers, Avengers, where in a lot of ways she's still sort of being the company woman working uh, for Shield. Uh Um, She's also kind of defined by her relationship to Hawkeye in that film. uh Yeah, no, certainly in Hawkeye, but. Yeah, certainly in the Avengers, Hawkeye is sort of her primary touchstone, which is an odd primary touchstone for anyone to have because Hawkeye doesn't do a lot
3: in that (laughs) movie.
1: Like, uh, the fact that she is primarily defined by her uh, relationship with the guy who is almost immediately brainwashed and working for the bad guy for most of the movie uh, does sort of limit the potential uh for her characterization there. Though she still has some great moments particularly with Loki when he's in the when he's in the glass box. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh but I mean I I would say like for me this is sort of this is the movie where uh sort of Black Widow becomes a character that I uh enjoy significantly more than I did. Mm-hmm. I liked her in Avengers and she, you know she was fine in uh uh Iron Man 2 but sort of once we start sort of seeing uh, so, sort of some of the hints at her backstory, sort of the, her troubled past, but also sort of her ability to, uh, you know, find the humor in things. This is uh, the yeah. Black
0: Widow that you want.
1: This is the Black Widow that I want. Certainly, I do not want Age of Ultron Black Actually, Widow. If we're going to, we, and we'll talk about that once we get there. But yeah, I,
3: that,
1: I have a lot of issues with Age of Ultron. But I think top of my list is how it handles uh, Black Widow.
0: It's not top I mean, of my list, but I have a lot of issues with Age of Ultron. I, uh, it's I, I do have a lot of
1: Avengers and Civil War. We've, we've, we'll have a lot to talk about once we talk about the Avengers movies. And despite the title, Civil War is clearly an Avengers movie, not a Captain America movie. Dude,
3: sorry.
2: Um, I mean, it it does bother me that in each of these sort of what I would consider like the... I mean, Iron Man 2, she doesn't really have much of a character. Uh, Avengers, I feel like she's largely defined by her... Like, she's used to humanize... brainwashed hawkeye because she's this capable person with Mm a weird mysterious past but she insists that like hawkeye is a good person and she's trying to reach him um and then in this one uh she i don't want to say she's defined by her relationship to steve but that's i feel like largely how she's used yeah uh, but
1: I mean, she, I and, mean, I feel like that's going to be true for any character in this movie, because this is, the movie Steve's is Captain America. The movie, the first two words of the movie are Captain America, so literally yeah. everybody in this movie is re- defined by their relationship to Captain America.
3: Yeah,
2: but and then in Age of Ultron, I feel like she, or at least from what I remember of the film, uh, it's largely about her attempt to have a relationship with the Hulk. Uh, yes, which,
0: which is an odd I like coupling. Her- well,
2: which I know it's actually I know. my favorite of all of these three, um, and I I like that aspect of her character because I feel like it's more interesting and reveals more about her that's, like, subtle and unsaid than her as a pair with either Hawkeye, which yeah. is boring to me. Uh, because and- Hawkeye's boring. Yeah, but and I like the fact that Hawkeye has a family, and like that's largely why he's boring because yeah. he is he's doing a job, and then he goes oh, yeah. home to his actual life, which is irrelevant to the rest of the MCU. I really,
3: yeah. uh, no, we,
0: I, 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 Hawkeye is not served particularly well in these films, but I, I really love him.
1: Oh yeah, no, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and again, I, I is that Age of Ultron or is that Civil War? I get it's the Age of Ultron, Age of Ultron, Age of yeah. Ultron, Age of Ultron. Like clearly, clearly of. In terms of, like, improvement of character, Hawkeye, far and away, gets the biggest improvement in uh, in that. Yeah. And I would actually agree with you that, like, at least on paper, I think, like, the pairing of uh, of Bruce and Natasha could be really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I do not like the actual execution of it. Yep. Okay.
3: Uh, so we, but like, in
1: terms of both sort of the weird, the, sort of just some of the weird sort of sexual politics of there, like, how she calms them down in a weird, sort of infantilizing kind of way, but also in terms of just sort of the the weird backstory that we get on uh Black Widow in terms of she understands what it likes to what it's like to be a, a monster because she can't
2: have babies. I'm like,
3: what that's is not that? What,
2: that is not what she says.
3: Guess, she says yeah, that the monster because
0: she
2: was trained to be a monster because she yeah, can't relate to lot, other um, humans.
1: But we, they, we
0: we will have. <laughs> a long opportunity yeah. to litigate uh, Age of Ultron.
1: Litigate the, is the right word to describe how we'll describe Age of the Ultron.
0: O- the o- yeah, the only question with the Age of Ultron episode is how long will it be?
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but has gotta be a long one. I think that that is a, a a gross misinterpretation of what that speech is actually about. Uh, but it's certainly a popular one on the internet. But uh, I... I think that it, it bothers me that in each of these films uh, she is used as a foil for the protagonist. Uh, but it makes sense because yeah. each of them is a film about its protagonist. Well, except Age of Ultron, which is an Avengers Which film. has no protagonist,
0: but, which is one of its yes. problems. <laughs> yes.
2: But, uh, I mean, Avengers doesn't really have a protagonist because each of the characters is like one aspect of the protagonist. Yeah. Um, yeah and i think that we really does she deserves her own film because yeah. i want to know what her motivations are and like you know something about her story uh
1: yeah i and- would i would love to have a movie where all of these people are the foils for her like yeah. she's been fucking everybody's foil but thor at this point you want yeah. you
0: want the zeppo but starring black widow <laughs> i would fucking uh, love that that would be amazing
1: like, oh, yeah. if it were just like, what was, if it were just like a sort of a, like a, a picaresque thing where we find out what she's up to during the course of Thor the Dark World, and then we, then act two is what she's up to during Iron Man 3, and then after that it's like what she's up to during whatever other, mo- uh, Ant-Man or something like that. All these movies where we find out all the things that are going on with her life during all this other bullshit that nobody cares it's
0: about. It's the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead of the, uh, the Marvel Universe
1: yes that is exactly what i want like yes if like it could be her and i want to uh, i don't know if it should be hawkeye i think it should be um cat denning's character like yeah. is she a cat getting should yeah. uh
0: Percy, is that what her name is yep
1: Darcy, like if she and Darcy could have some kind of weird like Darcy gets lo-
0: roped into a wacky spy adventure, and it's basically it's one of those uh, fish out of water, one super competent spy, one not super competent. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's a regular you know, Rock and Kevin Hart situation. Yeah,
1: because I'm, I'm pretty sure Darcy's not going to be in Ragnarok. No. Uh, so you know we need to come up with something for her, particularly now that the uh, Two Broke Girls is canceled. I mean, it's just oh, the Two Broke, Two Broke Girls movie, got right?
2: <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh. Or it ended. I don't actually know.
0: Yeah, they brought it. Yeah. They, they became not broke anymore, so they couldn't. Uh, yeah, uh,
1: <laughs> that'd be amazing if that was how that show ended.
0: They won the lottery. <laughs> they
1: uh, they won the lottery, but then it turned major out major, to be a major, uh, a. And then it turned out to all just be a grief-inspired uh, fantasy sequence because one of the broke girls had died and the other one had come up with this whole elaborate thing where she was on top of a train trying to stop terrorists.
0: You know that they are bringing back Roseanne, right? Yes. yes. And how I don't do know they how get gonna... their way out of that box? I don't I know.
3: Mean, they... I mean,
2: says they're going to try. <laughs> That'd be, like... I guess Although they'll have it, to. It also is the easiest thing that they could ever do. That she just writes more stories.
0: I would prefer it to be that John Goodman faked his death because he couldn't stand to be married to Roseanne anymore.
2: I mean, wouldn't you?
0: Oh, Tom I Arnold did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm reasonably <laughs> certain he did fake his death to do that. I don't
0: know. When was the last time you saw Tom Arnold headlining a Hollywood blockbuster? He started The <laughs> Stupids, then his career disappeared. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, well when, yeah, that was that coffin, way,
0: well, when you put it that way, when <laughs> you put it that way, yeah. Turn uh, to sender indeed. <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> at least he seems to be doing uh, better
1: than Randy Quaid.
0: Well, he's not a fugitive. <laughs> he's not a fugitive.
2: Wait, is Randy Quaid actually a fugitive, or is he just on the run from the the celebra- the Hollywood murderers, or something? The, the, when, the celebrities, fugitive. excuse me, the
1: celebrity starwhackers. Oh yeah, there we go. Speaking uh, of how he's holding himself,
2: like um,
0: no, he's living in Vermont now. He was arrested
2: with Luis Guzman.
0: <laughs> I don't think he's living with Luis Guzman. <laughs>
2: Does oh, Luis Luke? Guzman has a, has a ranch in Vermont.
1: Does he? Yeah. Green Dale's an actual fa- ranch. But... Greendale's most famous alum to bring yeah. us back to the
2: Russos the and
1: Russo community. Brothers, these yeah. Directors.
0: Yeah. So, um, um,
2: segues, man. Segues. Stefan, do you remember like? A year and a half ago, or maybe two years ago, when you were uh, trying to solicit new ideas for podcasts and what we could podcast about when we finished all the MCU movies, and my first and only suggestion was we should talk about the Fast and the Furious films, and that was before Seven came out, and they really blew up. Now it's a cottage
0: industry. Yes, but i, I think it. I saw uh, that shit coming. Is what I'm saying. So I think that what's what's beautiful about that is one, there was a time when the Fast and the Furious films were not the core of the cultural zeitgeist, and two, <laughs> there was a time when we thought there might ever be an end to MCU <laughs> movies
2: um, or an end to the Fast and the Furious yeah. films.
0: But the uh, the Russo brothers. So the I do Russo talk, brothers. I do want to talk about this because um, this is something that happened in Thor of the Dark World not very successfully but which happened here much more successfully and that is the transition of directors in mm-hmm. the MCU um towards a, not necessarily a pure television roster because we still have you know James Gunn ahead and um i guess what is it uh Peyton Manning not Peyton Reed? Pa- Peyton is it Reed. Reed yep um We've got that ahead as well, but th- this was kind of the point where I felt like Marvel started shifting away from um, not necessarily prestige directors, but known commodity directors yeah. or directors with particularly strong authorial voices, because previously you had had John Favreau, who has a style, but he's kind of a jerk. Yeah. You had Branagh, which has a very, very distinguished pedigree. Yeah. You had Joe Johnson, which had a... A long line of, uh, or a long film history behind him. You had Shane Black, who had a very distinctive voice. You um, had Whedon. You had Whedon, um, who I, I would say, kind of as much as anyone, established the template of, of what was coming. You don't think of Joss Whedon as a visually dynamic director or a director with a particular style, but you think of him as a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly you've got Game of Thrones guy directing Thor of the Dark World not very well. And you've got the Russos directing this much better. Which game of Thrones? Right? Alan Taylor. Hmm. Um, and, and you have the transition to directors who might be more amenable to a house style. Yeah. And I, I don't think that's necessarily a good or a bad thing, but it is a thing. And I think we should talk about it.
1: But yeah, I mean like the, the comparison with television is important because you know, in TV, be, the director of a television show is a much more minor role in terms of things than, uh, than films like TV is a producer writer uh, driven thing. So, you know, when we're dealing with the MCU, we're dealing with, you know, this is Kevin Feige and, you know, whoever else I'm sure there's a bunch of other people involved in- creatively, but they're certainly the, 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 guiding, the powers that be the guiding spirits here. Uh, for this franchise and yeah i could i i certainly see why in like when you're first establishing this is like hi we're marvel we're going to start a studio we're taking it seriously here we've uh, we've you know gotten some you know these aren't you know the greatest directors in the world but we're clearly clearly hiring some solid solid
0: b-listers yeah
1: we're uh, hiring some solid b-listers and somehow we got kenneth Branagh in here uh, but now we're going to get, you know, I think sort of, um, I, I think it was earlier you described somebody as a journeyman, and I think that's sort of, as they've increasingly moved towards that, getting, you know, I have, I was, gonna, uh, you know, probably probably the only director who has any real sort of major name recognition of the various Marvel movie directors is Sean Gunn, and certainly he has... James Gunn. Oh, excuse me, James Gunn, Sean Gunn obviously <laughs> being uh, his brother. Um... And Gunn, you know, certainly has a much smaller footprint, a much smaller uh, sort of star text than somebody like Brano or Favreau or even Whedon. Uh, but, you know, I if you sh- if you ask me what Peyton Reed looked like or what the Rousseau brothers looked like, I have no idea because I've never I've never seen a picture of them and I've never needed to see a picture of them. And I know that the Rousseau brothers came out of community, but
2: that's about it. I don't know anything else about them. Wait, the Russo brothers came out of Community.
0: Yeah, they I were directors they... on Community.
2: I okay. Who who were the uh, the who took over Community in the fifth season uh, or fourth season um, mm. that had worked on Happy Endings? Oh, uh, I have no idea. No, okay. Cool well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, um,
0: it, it doesn't. do in, uh, <laughs> in, yeah.
2: in many way, in many ways, Justin but, Lin worked on Community as well, and he came out of the Fast and the Furious franchise.
1: Yeah, so. I think I think sort of I think this this move towards um, sort of smaller and smaller directors for a franchise thing is something that we're seeing. So you know, you get the guys who did, uh, you know, what is his name Chris Lord and the other guy, um, his partner. Yep, yep, I know what uh, you're talking about the Lego. Uh, Wii, f- I guess. Yeah, the Lego Movie guys, oh. the uh, Twenty One Jump Street guys, and they'll do the uh, the Han Solo movie. Yeah. You don't you, you do get JJ Abrams for the first one, and then you get some sort of smaller directors who have you know some cred, but you know aren't aren't big name stars. Ryan Johnson and um, who's the other guy? Uh, you know?
0: Col- Colin Trevorrow, the guy who did uh, Jurassic World.
1: Yeah, exactly. These aren't you. you don't need named directors for franchise movies because that's just not.
0: Well, but that, that's that's the question though. Like, is that is that good? Is it bad? Is it not really a thing? Because I mean, I, I know like you, you both said that The Dark Knight didn't hold up as well for you as it maybe did for me, and I I still love that film. But the thing that you have to say about that film it is it is a Christopher Nolan film. It has yes. his character deeply in it and there are not a lot of directors at this point that do well i would in film. i would
1: say in term in terms of the various sort of major film franchises that have sort of an identifiable brand generally those brands are kind of negative when you think of the Transformer movies, you think of Christopher uh, oh, Michael uh, Bay. Michael you do not Bay. think
0: of Christopher Nolan's Transformers.
1: I was going to say Christopher Bay, but that was wrong. Uh, Michael Bay, even though obviously you know he's not, uh, he's you know producing some of them now. Or uh, ult- alternately, uh, Zack Snyder and sort of yep. his I- I- yeah. imprint on uh, the increasingly uh, convoluted DC uh, Wonder, Wonder Woman might be good. Yeah, no Wonder Woman looks uh, good. But, yeah, I'm. I'm looking forward to that, and it will be. It will certainly be. It'll be the first DC movie I've seen in theaters since uh, Dark Knight Rises, because mm-hmm. uh, I haven't. I have not seen any of the other ones. I haven't seen either of the. Uh, I haven't seen uh, either of the Supermans or the Suicide yeah, Squad. Man of Steel was okay. You know, I'm sure. Sh- I'm sure. I you know, I'll probably watch it and go. You know, this is fine. Uh, but I also it's never been a priority for me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think, like, uh, if, you, if you can get a big name, uh, you know, auteur to use a sort of a loaded terminology, uh, that could be helpful. But if you look at sort of contemporary media franchise filmmaking, uh, the ones that have that sort of auteur stamp uh, doesn't seem to be doing them a lot of good. So, I, why bother? I'm looking at
2: Alan Taylor's, uh, what he's directed, he's a directed a lot of things. Yeah. And a couple
0: uh, really it, bad films.
2: I was going to say that he, the films that he's directed, it looks like are almost universally terrible. And the shows that he's directed are almost universally good. Well, yeah, again, the, the, the the first two episodes of Mad Men.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And again, the skill set for, uh, you know, because a, a TV director is just somebody that you bring in and they direct, you know, probably, you know, Maybe they direct a few episodes a season or they direct, you know, some important episodes or you have sort of a rotating cast of like four or five guys who are directing uh, uh, these episodes or you bring in some guest uh, directors, but they're not, they don't necessarily have to be the people guiding the entire production in the way that a film director, at least a lot of the time is sort of expected to uh, have that kind of control. So it's not surprising to me that a, t- a somebody who makes really good TV directs really good television might not have the skill set that transfers into tele- into good films. Well, uh, but it also makes sense that people who are good at TV directing would probably be better at franchise filmmaking than other kinds of filmmaking. Because I feel like a lot of the uh, a lot of the structures uh, that govern productions of television are probably relatively similar to the kinds of uh, structures that govern something like the MCU or Star okay. Wars or The Fast and the Furious or I can what see have that.
2: you. Um, where you're working with an existing property and just trying to execute it, um, yeah, and substantial violated, support
1: true and right. relevant, yeah, yeah right.
2: but but also um, you
1: know the the person at the top of the of the you know creative hierarchy is much more going to be the writer or slash the producer. So you know yeah. Kevin Feige tells you this is what your movie is supposed to look like versus yeah. you know uh, Vince Gilligan or uh whoever the showrunner tells you this is what your episode is supposed to look like.
2: Yeah. But it's it's interesting to me that um Thor the Dark World and Terminator Genesis, I don't think either of them suffer no. from bad directing as much as they do a bad script. Oh um, yeah. And that's God, Thor
0: the Dark World sucked.
2: I mean it's just I don't think that it's actively bad. I think
1: it's no, just casual no, it's, un- it's
0: a nothing of a movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I would, I wish it were bad. If yeah. it were, if oh, it were a bad a lot
0: movie,
2: it would, would be bad. entertaining. But it's yeah. just, which I think movie is Terminator exactly. Genesis has in spades. Like I, that I've movie, not... a lot of fun. Right. There's some really fun stuff in there. All right, uh, uh, but it's not good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to answer your
1: earlier question, David Guarrasio and Moses Port are the two people who took over for Dan Harmon. <laughs> oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Another mystery uh, solved. Yeah.
1: yeah uh, let's find out who the showrunners really are. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's old man David Guaracio and Moses Port. Yeah, oh, my God.
0: I laughed too, so hard. Pesky ratings.
2: <laughs> Mister, I laughed so hard at your objectivity, subjectivity tweet. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Did you see that stuff in the
1: no, Scooby-Doo
2: I'm gonna, reveal? I'm going
3: to look at it now. Anyway. Oh my god!
1: Yeah, I'm ret- it's me retweeting somebody else, so I can't yeah. take credit
0: for
3: it. But yeah, no.
2: But it was hilarious. It came to me via you, so. Uh... <laughs> yeah,
1: you'll have How to, you'll
0: hard to, hard to. was this? Uh, I mean, was... uh,
1: in the last couple days, you'll have to get yeah. through my uh, my Winter Soldier tweets. But then after I that, you know, those, But uh... between retweeting things about Trump and Russia, uh, there'll probably be some stuff uh, in there about me. Um...
0: Oh, I see it now. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, there, there was one thing ah, that is. I had wanted to talk about, and that <laughs> I. Uh, that's real good. Uh, regardless of what, you know, how I feel about this movie now, or how much I like it, or, you know, whether that's changed or not, I do feel like it is a benchmark MCU film. Um, or not even MCU film, it's just a benchmark Marvel comic book film in general, because. Uh, the conversation that was had about it at the time, as I, you know, gestured at or implied earlier, was, I think, different than any other conversation about a Marvel film prior to that. And I don't know that we've had one since then. Um, well, the
0: conversation had... around most Marvel films is, man, that totally sucked. No, that was great. <laughs> as or, uh, 37 of... prior episodes will yeah. attest to. <laughs>
2: yes. Several of them are, I'm surprised at how much I liked this I, I'm not talking about our conversations. I'm talking about the cultural conversation, yeah. the general like critical reaction. I mean, I but, think um, I think we're getting. I don't into- think that we get another one that is like a real benchmark film until Deadpool. Um, in that, That's there's like a not Guardians. Guardians was surprising in that it was a less lesser-known property. And it was it was surprising at how successful it was. Although, honestly, I don't think that that film is particularly interesting. I feel like yeah. it's fairly cookie-cutter in terms of script. Like, the, the beats of the film and, like, yeah. characterization or, you know, sure. when... To me, when I watched that in theaters, that movie fell apart when Groot, like, sacrifices himself. And there's not one single second where you actually believe that what the characters on screen are saying is going to happen is actually going to happen. No one believes that he's going to die. Well, we've, like we've it's, got, it's we've completely got that one unbelievable up in
0: just a couple of episodes. Yeah, that's I mean, fair. your your, your broader point though, got is, to, is, is is fair though because I think what what you're saying is there are films in this sequence that expand the conversation that we can have about what is possible within this constructive film.
2: Yes, and, or it shift the direction of like Um, where people who make comic book films are going to try to go. Uh, And I have like a short list of movies that I feel like are, to me, the benchmarks.
0: Marvel movies Uh, specifically?
2: Yeah, Uh, or movies that we've talked about. Blade, I think, is actually the first one that I think is really notable. Totally fair. Uh, And then the next one is X-Men, which is the next Marvel film, uh, because I feel like that was working with a much larger property. Yes. Well, Then, uh, two films later, Spider-Man obviously huge um yeah but then i don't think you get another one until iron man the first mcu film oh, uh, and then i think this is actually no i think avengers, avengers is the next one and yeah. then this. um then oh. this and then i think deadpool okay and, but logan you might be able to say you might be able to yeah. argue because there's a Too drastically soon. different tone yeah, yeah. but
1: um, I mean, I think I think your 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 point about tone there. I think we can also talk about this in terms of genre. And I think we've talked yeah. in the past about like is the superhero movie a genre, and I don't think it is, but I think mm-hmm. the vast majority of superhero movies are of the same genre, whatever we what, however we want to describe that as like action mm-hmm. adventure or something along those lines. Yeah. But I think this is interesting in that. And it's still certainly operating within those parameters, but it certainly brings in another genre in a really productive, really successful way, bringing in sort of the political thriller mm-hmm. genre. Uh, so I and i and I feel, I would say I think I think the the point that you, you point to, uh Deadpool is sort of the next major step forward or landmark or however you want to describe this. Like I think that's also interesting in, in that sort of uh in some way sort of the first or one of the first like really successful sort of postmodern self-aware superhero movies really sort of yeah. uh, entering into this sort of era of parody of pastiche where we can really sort of the, the genre has become so codified. So uh, set uh, for better or for worse that we can really sort of make a, a postmodern, a, a parody, a pastiche, a satire, Even a comedy, of a, yeah. a comedy, in a way that obviously you know we have those sort of moments
2: of comedic comic relief, you know. We've yeah, got, Guardians and we've I got mean, Guardians, Spider-Man, has, Fantastic Four. Like a lot of them, really try hard to be comedic, but yeah. Deadpool. Or you have
1: those sort of moments, those moments of comedic relief. You know, you have your Darcy in your things. But yeah, yeah I, I would say Deadpool is sort of an interesting moment where we move into. Uh, sort of a, a third phase of the, of genre development and a bunch of scholars have talked about sort of the ways that once you move into that parody pastiche huh, era.
0: So, so that that might actually be um I think that that's a really interesting point. And if we think about, you know, superhero films as a genre, I think at this point we I would probably agree with your assessment Buster that it, it's not a genre, it's a setting in the way yeah, that you would yeah. think of. I mean, the, the closest analog that I always think of to superhero films culturally is like Westerns, um, mm. where it, it's a particular space with a particular iconography and a particular yeah, yeah. tropes. But what what you can do it now you could argue that Westerns were not as experimental um, mm. broadly, uh, but there's nothing inherent about the Western genre that is constrictive in that way. I think it's more just kind of where film and, and media was in that time. Yeah. And if we treat superhero films as a setting or a context, you can do an enormous number of things within that. And, and to, to do just, you know, the list that dude read out, uh, this would probably be the first one that you could you could talk about. The others kind of expanding scope and expanding yeah. context. This is the first one that I would say actually moved into a different genre with yeah. a with a deliberateness. Um, I agree, and I think that that alone makes it important.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, I think if you look at a lot of the ones that he just listed out here, a lot of them either have to do with sort of the mainstreaming of yep. the comic book, but also mm-hmm. I think, like particularly if you're looking at things like Blade or X Men, so mm-hmm. uh, I think a lot of those sort of have to do with sort of figuring out what the right tone is for a comic book movie or yeah. for a Marvel movie. Because mm-hmm. I think I think a big problem that a lot of uh, a lot of comic book movies have throughout the throughout the 70s and 80s and into like the mid 90s is what what is the proper tone for uh, a superhero movie yeah. and a lot of them are trying to sort of trying to be serious but also have that kind of Batman 1960s Batman tongue-in-cheek sort of way if you go back mm-hmm. and watch the Superman the Superman movies oh they're bizarrely God. slapstick in a yeah. lot of ways yeah because th- th- there is this idea that this is what a superhero movie is supposed to be superheroes are treated as at least as silly enough that you have to have something sort of a wink and a nod in there. And certainly, like, some of the Batman movies maybe treated things more uh, seriously up until that point. But in terms of the Marvel movies that we had talked about, it's not really, I feel like, until we get to Blade or X-Men that we really get a movie that seems to entirely treat their subject matters as serious. We're going to tell a story about Blade and not be making fun of Blade while doing it. You struggled to Uh take
0: the jeweler seriously?
1: (laughs) I know. I know it's um, it's hard to believe.
2: I uh I guess I, I don't want to sell X Men short because I do feel like it was culturally relevant. Oh, and it's had, incredibly like, important. A, yeah, a commentary on on the. I mean, it was during the Bush years when there was, enough, it was it serious discussion. It, discu- it like came
0: the, out before Bush was elected. It came out in like summer two thousand.
2: Oh, okay. Excuse me. Um. All right then. Uh, well it talked about homosexuality in a way that like, I mean, it was within a couple of years or within a few years where there was a serious discussion of there being a constitutional amendment against gay marriage. Uh Yeah. Uh, And that's mind boggling now. Like the most extreme uh, conservative like voice in that at least gains any traction in, in the larger cultural conversation now, it doesn't even really talk about anything. Um, yeah, at no, least it's on like the, the, the
1: way the the um, like I remember whenever I go back and watch uh, like early West Wing, and mm-hmm. if, if gay rights ever come up, it's it's fascinating to see just how much the political goalposts have moved on that issue. Yeah, because like even at that point, when we have you know this. Incredibly, sort of idealized version of sort of a progressive liberal president. They're Mm -hmm. still talking about in terms of gay marriage being a non-starter and the idea that uh, so yeah, and certainly when I was just sort of going over that, I was I was talking about Blade more because that was the one that came first. Yeah, uh, so like I and I I would certainly lump I would say sort of Blade uh, Blade Spider Spider Man and X Men all within you know three or four years of each other uh is you know that's a very important moment for superhero movies in terms of just sort of becoming sort of a mainstream like these are these are the movies that are going to dominate the summer blockbuster for the next 20 years
0: i remember Uh, when when spider-man came out and it had had like the biggest box office opening weekend ever it wasn't Mm -hmm. so much the fact that it did that because some film necessarily was going to do that it was that people were stunned that it was a Spider-Man yeah. movie that everyone yeah. was going out to see. That was shocking. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I was mainly shocked just because I saw that movie and didn't think it was all that great. Yeah, but- yeah I didn't
2: either, but yeah, I was still okay. really excited about it because it was like, like yeah. I mean, I didn't even care about Spider-Man as a character. I liked the cartoon, but I always obviously. thought it was inferior to the X-Men cartoon. And yeah. I, But I was still excited because it was like a major nerd moment. Like... This is a, a superhero film that everyone is going to see or that yeah. is making like money out the wazoo.
1: yeah, exactly uh, like that that is definitely that is definitely the moment when. Uh, at least Marvel movies. I think we mm-hmm. can probably make the argument that things like Batman and Batman. Superman have been pretty, yeah. pretty thoroughly mainstream at that fair. point. But those That's those certainly, the, exist that's more certainly the point when Marvel concretely. Marvel properties become mainstream. Like, yeah. you you would not have assumed that your parents or you know a- any given person had seen Blade or X Men. Yeah, but you know, pro- probably probably they have seen Spider Man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I, mean, I assume every, that everyone every, has seen Blade 2 and loves it. <laughs> I mean, they should. Play two is great. Guillermo
2: del Toro is a household name for he's a, a reason. He's, so,
0: so, he's a, a mainstream director.
2: <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, I mean, Batman and Superman are characters that exist like, they define comic books, but they exist outside of comic book culture. They're
0: bigger. Like, they are bigger than their genre. They are also yeah, bigger than, bigger their, than their medium. honestly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, they're, they're bigger than the characters themselves that you don't have to have actually seen any Batman on screen or read any Batman ever to know a lot about Batman.
1: Yeah. And I think that's sort of one of the fascinating things of like having lived through the development of the MCU, seeing mm-hmm. characters that did not have that sort of stature, earn that kind of stature yeah. because before Iron Man came out, Iron Man was not that kind of a character. No. <laughs> that's, absolutely that's absolutely true. Like Iron Man, I remember when that movie was announced, I had two reactions. one, why the fuck are you making an Iron yeah. Man movie? And two, why the fuck are you making it with Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, and the fact that either of those could be things that I thought was ridiculous. I remember yeah. seeing an image, of like a promotional still of him mm-hmm. in the cave making it, and yeah. I laughed at it because they were making an Iron Man movie with the guy who is in prison. Uh, yep. But the fact that he is he has been the highest paid actor in Hollywood for you know several of the last years. I don't know if yeah. he currently is at the I moment. Think the rock like, is the, I think, yeah, the I wrong. think the Rock. But like wow. he and The Rock and Vin <laughs> are probably in jockeying position yeah, of each yeah, other yeah. at any given moment. And Iron Man is absolutely at that stature where, he, like parents who have never seen any of the Iron Man movies, absolutely know enough about Iron Man because yeah. they have kids who are into Iron Man, and he's just permeated. Yeah. The cultural zeitgeist, the uh, cultural osmosis
2: process I, is
1: kind of. I remember having
2: the like those reactions or feelings about Iron Man when I first saw the Iron Man cartoon that aired after the Fantastic Four cartoon. I that cartoon. I don't remember this cartoon. I don't remember either of those cartoons. I never not saw very, either
0: Neither one of them was very good. Well, <laughs> nor
2: did they. Were
0: they on very long? I but I remember Sam like Lee the- doing
2: introductions or like the interstitial. During the cartoons. I
0: remember these and I we're, we're getting way off track and we should probably wrap it up soon, but I do remember mm. uh, that Iron Man cartoon <laughs> being really notable for having the Mandarin as one of its villains. Hmm. Maybe it's like principal recurring villain, but also being made during that period in 90s cartoons where they said, well, we can't really do the yellow panic thing anymore because that's <laughs> not cool. So we'll give him green skin and make him a lizard man. <laughs> And this happened repeatedly with, like, Yellow Panic villains. Like, look at Ming the Merciless in every cartoon during this period. Uh, Did he become a lizard man? He became a lizard man.
2: Or Fin Fang Foom. Fin Fang just Foom. Out as a, yeah. yeah, he started off as
0: a regular guy. Yeah. Uh,
2: I, uh, I don't remember much about it, except that I, uh, War Machine was... Uh, Featured in it, and I'd never really known anything about either of those characters. And before. the, sec- I mean, I the think-
0: second worst Spider Woman, also.
2: I think I think prior
1: to the Iron Man uh, movie coming out, I think the only reason I knew anything at all about the character other than just like you know knowing in my mind that he was a superhero i think my main cultural touchstone was the capcom fighting games yeah because he had been he had been consistently in those in marvel's superheroes and x-men versus yeah. street
2: fighter and the marvel versus capcom games Um you mean it wasn't from your uh, your lifelong membership in the iron fan club iron uh, fan. where you were just an enthusiast for all things elementally iron <laughs> yeah exactly no, I was a I bit. Was I was a bit I, I as a child.
1: Oh my god, that is a green man. uh, No, I was an iron. <laughs> I was an I was an iron Ma- ironmonger fan from day one. Tony <laughs> you Stark. You could say that you were an ironmonger. we in a cave
0: with a box of scraps. <laughs> the box of scraps. uh, All That
1: right. man walking <laughs> around on his on his Segway, smoking a cigar, so being Joe. So intimidating.
0: So intimidating.
1: Jobadiah Sloane. You found
0: Slain? me Sloane. St- Stain. Stain. Obadiah. Jobadiah Stane.
1: That's like Slain Sloane something? Some kind of evil sounding S name. Yep.
0: So maybe we should move into our final thoughts and and put uh, put yeah. a bow on this present to our listeners. Um Dooge, what, what are your final thoughts?
3: I mean,
2: I I I think this movie's great. There are parts of it that I don't find as entertaining as other parts, and there are parts of it where I'm just like, "Yeah, this is just casual, like shoot 'em up, uninteresting action fare." But overall, I, I do think that it has, you know, it has something to say that it's certainly still relevant today, and uh, I think will always be relevant. But I, I guess what I really like about it is that it it dives headfirst into the thing that I think makes Captain America an interesting character, which you don't get at all in the first Captain America film. And, uh, Whedon really gestures at as much as he can in the Avengers. But that I think that Captain America becomes a really interesting character when he becomes the man out of time, because he's got those classic, like idealized American values. And then, is confronted every second of every day with what America has become, become in the contemporary era, which is what every sort of nation state becomes eventually, I believe. And it's the, the disparity between the rhetoric and the actuality or like what it means to try and maintain power as a nation state in a contemporary world.
1: Yeah. And, I, I, I'm just thinking about this in terms of his list of media to consume,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and he's not being told to watch the Watergate proceedings. He's not being told no. to watch all, all, uh, you know, what happened in Vietnam. He's being told, <laughs> he's, he's being fed very sort of apolitical uh, so, sort of stuff that what is the
2: album that he's recommended that makes Trouble us Man. see the list? Trouble Man. That
1: that that yeah. one obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, which are not yeah. which I'm not familiar with that album or that movie, but I'm I, sure I, I being a black boy, is quite a bit more uh, uh, political there. But you know, yeah. I think I think it's telling that he's he's told to watch the moon landing, but not to not to know about Vietnam or Watergate. Yeah. He's told he's told to sort of see. And yeah, I think that sort of, that disconnect, I think, I think you were the one earlier who drew the comparison between him and Superman. And yeah, uh, Mm
3: -hmm. I I
1: think, you know, Superman is a hard character to, to make interesting for a lot of people. And I think Captain America probably has a lot of the same sort of, because the way to make them interesting is to make them incorruptible, which is kind of a hard thing to make interesting. Uh, yeah and and certainly current Marvel publishing is doing a real shitty job really of a really bad uh, job of that <laughs> uh, I, uh... but yeah, no, I think I think the idea of them being like moral moral upstandingness is a hard character trait to make compelling, but I think when when done well, that's when
2: Superman and that's when Captain America become good characters.
0: so uh, it I'll... occurs
2: to me that no. the one thing that he has. Crossed off the list is Star Wars, which is and overtly forgets. about both World War II and the American Empire.
0: Uh, yeah, but sure I don't know I if bite he has on that. really. But, well,
2: I mean, there are stormtroopers, which, and which... it's about. I buy.
0: I buy that it's did about War he Watch, watch War the two. prequels. Yeah, did he watch did the prequels?
1: Because um, that's I, about Iran.
0: I, I I bite that it is. <laughs> I... <laughs>
1: Are you kidding me the Clone Wars
0: is absolutely about Iraq I, I buy the I, I buy the the idea. Republicans
1: told to buy into a war on false pretenses
0: I I but first of all, I guess I assumed that he wasn't watching the prequels because I assumed that those were not recommended to him.
3: <laughs> second, I, I just I've, assume
2: it's the first film as a
0: standalone. <laughs> I I buy Star Star Wars as World War Two analog. I don't buy Star Wars as American Empire analog. But the, the, hmm. if I you're th- talking about the prequels, maybe. Um.
1: I, I I think I think that is something that you could read into, or you know, find allegories there for. But I think I think I think as a man out of time, I'm not sure that he has the historical yeah. cultural context to read that sort of things into it. uh but I, I think I, it might be more productive yeah. for him to have that kind of context. And again, so, we don't know exactly uh, everything that he knows because apparently he's watching war games. Apparently.
0: The only thing that I'll, I'll say in, in response You're really to that, stuck on that. I know.
3: It seems
1: like <laughs> such an odd thing for him to know about.
0: But it's, um, so you have incorruptibility as his treatment. The man out of time thing is inherently interesting. Um, mm-hmm. and the idea of you know how much has the world changed from his ideals is inherently interesting i'm not sure that the incorruptibility comes through as much in this film as as maybe it should if only because like he's not really being presented with a particularly tempting or compelling choice on the other yeah. side of the table no um, but,
1: but like he's he still has to he still has to you know make this argument to people who are you know Obnoxiously, his superiors—people who are saying, yeah. "This is you. You don't understand what the what uh war in America looks like now. This is how it has to be." And he well, gets essentially the same party line from both Nick Fury before he figures yeah. out that he before he's seen the data, uh, and from Alexander Payne throughout the film.
0: Not not yeah. Alexander his Payne, the personal... director of Sideways.
2: No. His personal journey is not one of incorruptibility politically, because obviously, the political uh, enemy in this is clearly wrong. Yeah. But yeah. it's personal that his incorruptibility shows through in his refusal to believe that Bucky is unsavable.
0: And that might that, stick home more yeah, if the Bucky or... point had been made!
2: Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he's loyal to this character who, yeah, he's not, he can't save him immediately, but he's not going to give up on him. Yeah. He's not going to let up for a mm-hmm. second Believing that he he can't be saved eventually. That actually and, yeah, does come through more for, in
3: Civil War. Through. Yeah, yeah,
2: and but also, but it wouldn't make sense for it to come through immediately. Yeah. It, it's something that only comes through as a long game.
1: Yeah. yeah, but I think also another important thing I'm thinking to that moment when he speaks French with uh, Batrock, is I think I think an easy an easy way to understand Captain America. And this is a way that you as know, a
2: traitor to America,
1: because he speaks, speaks French. French. Yeah. Well, no, but I, th- I think, I think it's easy to see him as being, you know, as patriotism being his defining characteristic mm. and patriotism gives way to jingoism. And, you know, there's that ridiculous panel. I, I believe it's Mark Miller, uh, in, uh, ultimate, uh, uh. Don't, don't talk to me. Whereas, about Mark Miller. Like, this, fucking, this fucking stands for America, and like this whole ridiculous, like you know, cheese eating surrender monkey kind of position that a lot of people took in the early 2000s. Cheese eating uh, surrender monkey. Uh, <laughs> but, anyway, but, it's, but but that is that would be so the idea the idea that Captain America, a man who fought in World War Two alongside the French Resistance, would have those kinds of ideas about the French, yeah. wh- who would think that about. Literally, our longest, our longest, most faithful ally yeah. uh, who gave, is is ridiculous. Who
2: gifted us the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, no, like
1: we outside of the quasi war in the eighteen thirties, we have literally never fought the French. We have never done it. Um, we've also never fought, fought the Portuguese, but that's an entirely other, uh, entire our other. Second matter.
0: longest ally.
1: <laughs> our <laughs> second longest ally. I'm like those damn Brits. Um, but you know, I think there's like it's patriotism is so easy to see as jingoism. And you can imagine a version of uh, Captain America where he toes, the toes the party line and like says, you know, mm-hmm. what's good for America must be good. And this is, this is, this is him sort of being tested on that and being able to sort of demonstrating that resistance, that opposition to arbitrary power is patriotic. And I think sp- that's, sp- you know, sp- an sp- important yeah. Yeah. Sp- way.
0: It's, to it's the idea of, I mean, if you talk about you know what, what Captain America is supposed to represent. And it's not, you know, I, I would argue it's not the country of America, it's the ideal of America. It is, yeah, it is and what, think, it I it think is, a lot of... It is of... what we are, we are ostensibly aspiring to and mm-hmm. striving towards. Yeah, and yeah it, it's versus the,
2: what we are doing right now.
0: Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's the, the... the crux of that character is the ability or the willingness yeah. to pursue that in the face of of the world around him. And you know yeah. th- that if if we take it one step further and we you know if we believe that the ideal version of America that you aspire to is an ostensibly good thing um uh, an objectively good thing then that is objectively the idea or an idea that crosses national boundaries and mm-hmm. that idealism is what captain america is is standing for in a world that is fundamentally not structured for that and that's interesting yeah Um, yeah
1: again again i think that again and that gets into the sort of man out of time and i think you know if you look at you know the mark miller ultimate Get Captain God, America.
0: Seriously,
1: Miller pointing has ever at written. the A on his head, uh, or or the version of Captain America from the first movie where he's you know just just a, a, a an empty symbol of America punching Hitler yeah. over and over and but over I think again. That was
0: very deliberate.
1: Yeah, no, but yeah. but, but, yeah, and it's but I think, I mean, yeah, a and, I think and I think his superhero. ability to come over uh, to overcome that and represent represent something more than America, but something <laughs> that is quintessentially American. Uh, is you know an important part of it, and I think this is a movie that succeeds very well in in doing that. Because I think I think it's very Captain America on paper c- could be an incredibly boring, stupid character.
3: Yes, uh, his I name agree.
1: is Captain America. For fuck's sake! <laughs> uh, yeah, but the the fact that uh you know the first movie Mr. in this movie made <laughs> Captain America my favorite of the Avengers speaks mm-hmm. to how well they had succeeded. Because again, on paper. He's a he's a, he's a goddamn star-spangled idiot with a shield. Yeah. There's no reason this character should be as compelling as he is, but these yeah. films and Chris Evans's performance of them uh, just go a long way toward, you know.
2: It's interesting I that can... his shield is also his sword. Uh-huh. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, <laughs> man. That's beautiful. Yeah, I mean yeah. he constantly uses it as a sword, but never to kill. Yeah. It's always just like to disable someone.
1: Well, I mean one of the things I wanted to talk like you were talking earlier about sort of the action scenes. And yeah, I, I mm-hmm. certainly a lot of this can drag down, but I think one of the things this movie does really well is uh, demonstrate the versatility of the shield as that. Yeah.
3: Like we get some of those I things mean, right. specifically
2: says, "Aren't I thought you were more than a shield," like it, on the fight on the Lemurian Star, and he drops the shield. And takes off the helmet and then has a punch fight with that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but but even when he is using the shield, like he has a couple of those
1: moments where he, you know throws it and it ding ding dings around and yeah. that sort of silly pinball. Oh yeah, when he, when he severs but, the like, elevator cable, is amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> whole, that that whole, down the that whole, with, uh, jet. Yes, yeah, that whole sequence where he first he does that and then he jumps out and then he takes down the uh, the jet like spiking with the shield. Like yeah. this is this is a movie that really uh, like goes like oh the shield's actually a really
2: cool thing for a superhero to uh, oh, to carry. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, symbolically, it's so important for him because he's not a guy who carries a sword. Like He doesn't carry a gun. He doesn't carry offensive weaponry. He is offensive weaponry, but his, like, defining symbol is what he uses to protect other people, and yeah. it's the American flag. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, But I made
2: think... of dirty African metal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm so For some reason, bring the alt right in here. Breitbart's take on the shield. Oh, God.
0: Uh. Anyway, uh, dude, I think that that was was a lot of final thoughts, but I think all good. Bester, uh, any additional final thoughts?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've covered a lot in this. It yeah. seemed like mm-hmm. it seemed like an hour ago we were really running out of steam, but then we had, what? like, I realized it was kind of a tangent, but I really enjoyed that sort of discussion of sort of the touchstones of, of Marvel film production. I think that was really interesting. Thank you. Uh, and I think we've covered probably most of the things. The one thing I do want to talk about is who the fuck names a child after James Buchanan?
0: Thank you. A man's <laughs>
1: name is James Buchanan... Barnes. I don't remember what his last Barnes. name is. Barnes. 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 Uh, and I am fairly certain I that James Buchanan is universally regarded by American uh, presidential historians as the single worst president we have ever had. Best this he,
0: scenario, he's bottom three. At yeah, least
2: yeah, at the yeah. time, at the time that this movie was produced. Yeah, like. Like, yes, no, cer- certainly we we have, you know,
1: a couple of other uh, candidates, <laughs> present company perhaps, and, you know, Nixon and whatnot. Harding. But
3: Harding. Harding. yeah.
1: Yes. Harding, clearly.
2: But this...
0: James Millard
1: so
2: Fillmore.
0: <laughs> I
3: had,
2: like, uh, a
0: great uncle named Millard Fillmore.
2: I think yeah. I remembered
0: that, actually. It weirds me out so much. I uh, think we my, may have talked
2: about that during... Possibly. The first Captain America.
1: My oh. parents once uh, once traveled to Japan on a steamship named after Millard Fillmore. Mm. Possibly run by your whichever. Well, literally literal everything in that sentence this is surprising
2: except that your parents went to Japan.
1: They just. They, uh, I think it was cheaper to do, and they just decided it would be like a nice sort of. I would love to travel.
2: Yeah, to take a, a transoceanic journey on a steamship. But- but it it
1: actually makes sense in the Japanese context um, because Phil, Millard Fillmore yeah. was the one who opened uh, relations with uh, okay, with Japan. He right. was the he was the one who sent the black ships to Japan. Uh so anyway, um, but yeah, like James Buchanan is such immediately
2: an, dismisses that. Such a, All right, we don't just no. keep going.
1: Keep uh, it's going. such it's it's a, a bizarre touchstone for that. And obviously mm-hmm. the reason is they came up with the name Bucky and then at some point they're like fuck what, is, what could what Bucky it? be what
2: could Bucky be a name for and they decided James other than a way him. to make children make fun of him using the word fuck yes <laughs> Uh, but yeah I just remember like or adults I, like I
1: remember going like James Buchanan Barnes that cannot possibly be his name even in the 1940s I'm fairly certain that James Buchanan's historical
3: what reputation if, was pretty What shit.
2: what have you considered the possibility that it is a family name and that President James Buchanan was named for one of his ancestors or that he is a descendant of James Buchanan
0: or that but, in the Marvel Yeah <laughs> Bucky started the Civil War was never president
1: Wait a minute! Mm. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! His name is James Buchanan, and he is in many ways directly responsible for the results of civil Captain America: Civil War. Oh it my all God!
0: Comes together.
1: That's brilliant. Whoa! I take it all back. <laughs> and I don't. Does he have any role in the original civil? Like the not the original Civil War, but the original Marvel Civil War. I don't remember. Uh,
0: I think he had been brought back to life by them, but he didn't have any yeah. substantial role. But he wasn't, wasn't the one the who killed. the original Marvel God. Civil War washed no, was... off the table? I'm like, d- it has uh, no resolution in the comics,
2: and then I... is referenced, like, once later as... Possibly having been like a board game it by some written, psychic characters it was or something. Written
0: by Mark Miller, which means it was mm-hmm. probably poorly thought out and extremely topical and not And then very they cancelled it. And then they canceled. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yes. God, well, I don't like Mark Miller. <laughs> um
2: yeah, Whatever, I, I think Red Sun is a fun read.
0: I don't like Red Sun and I refuse I yeah, I should not watch Red I should watch the uh the Kingsman film, but I won't on good. basic on general principle that it's a Mark Miller.
2: Okay. So I watched the Kingsman film, and Hillary loved it. I really enjoyed it as well, but it has got a damn good '80s soundtrack. Yeah, I would,
1: I would recommend. As somebody who also hates Mark Miller, uh, I, I certainly understand that. Uh, I'm currently trying to find the cover from Next, uh, Next Wave where they Mark have Miller a sign that says Mark, "Mark Miller Licks Goats," um, but. Yeah, I would. I would recommend giving uh, king's a shot. It's it's quite good.
3: All right.
0: Uh, so my final thought, I I actually don't have much left to say. I think that we we have covered, we've covered an enormous amount of ground here. Um, like like I said, I, this. Yep, Mark Miller likes goats. Please love us. Um, <laughs> I, hey. I I would say. Good use of my time. Yeah, like I said. I, <laughs> I did not love this as much on this viewing as I did when I saw it in theaters. I still really enjoy it. It's, it, it is, to to Doo-J's point, it is a a very important film within the context of, of the MCU and of Marvel films in general uh, for, for what it did for for that, uh, for, for lack of a better word, for the genre, for, for the, yeah. the style. And um, I
1: think it's telling that on his list of Touchstone movies, nothing MCU after that was on there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think we can make some arguments that perhaps I, I, I might include uh, Guardians Freeze of the Galaxy on his list, but I think that's the only one. I think that's the only other one that could possibly be in there. And there's a couple of MCU yeah.
2: movies afterwards that I like. Like I like Ant Man, but yeah, uh, but I, I like, like Doctor Strange a whole lot. But, I did not enjoy Doctor Strange. I mean, it's not. But, I don't think that it differs largely. I think a lot of the MCU mo- MCU movies are very similar to each other. Yeah, I think so I it's think unusual that, can... that you get one that's like. A change in direction uh, yeah i feel i feel like that
1: is a problem that we can talk about this more as we move into sort of yeah. this uh this sort of late late phase two into phase three like i think i think the mcu formula has become too formulaic so and, and, yeah and,
0: and that that's that's the point that i want to make though in terms of my my final final comment here it's um so this and guardians of the galaxy came out i think within four or five months of each other they were both kind of I remember this coming out absurdly early for kind of summer 2014. Yeah, this was like in March. Yeah, it yeah. But so it was it. still um, that and Guardians of the Galaxy were the same year. And I feel like that was, in a lot of ways, to date the MCU's high watermark. Because you had post-Avengers, which was certainly right. the, the big box office hit. But then you had two films that came along. That, to some degree, expanded not just the scope of what the universe could bear, but also the degree of respectability that it brought to it. I mean, these were yeah. films that did within that formula and, and broke out of that formula in certain ways about as much as they could do. And I would argue that since that year, um, it, maybe you won't say it's been a decline, but it's been a stagnation. Yeah. And this is maybe the last point that we'll look at, and maybe we're about to break out of that again. Who knows? Um, maybe. So so, ra-
1: certainly, we didn't with Volume Two of Guardians.
0: No, but but like, ra- I haven't even
1: seen that yet.
0: I, 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 I saw it, it yesterday. It was a lot of fun. Fine. But it's, yeah, it's yeah. fine.
1: Yep. But also, I think like uh, like I think this is also important as certainly the most successful of the sequels. Yes. Like I think I think Marvel movies in particular have trouble with sequels. Like we talked, we talked about it with Dark World. We talked about it with both of the Iron Man movies. Uh, we'll talk about Rise it. with and Silver we... Surfer. Uh, and like certainly in terms of this is far and away the most successful uh, sequel. Whereas yeah. a lot of them are just sort of like, oh, what worked about the last one? We'll just do Loki again.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: sort of is sort of a problem they had. And this definitely seems like the most ambitious, the most sort of like, let's blow up. All of our preconceived notions about the MC yeah. uh, about, about the universe itself—the good guys are Nazis now—and
0: yeah. and that kind of is what makes me hopeful about Thor: The Dark World, or not Thor: The Dark World about Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok. which,
1: which I, yeah,
2: that's the one that's gonna that's the one I'm looking forward
1: to. Yeah, which is amazing. I like yeah. if you had
0: told me yeah. three
1: years ago or whatever it was, mm-hmm. the Dark World came out that the the uh, MCU movie I would be most excited about would be the next Thor movie I would have laughed in your face
0: Jeff Goldblum
1: Jeff Goldblum <laughs> well uh the what I forget the director's name um Ta-iki yeah yeah
2: but he did what we do in the shadows and Which I feel like that is I love that movie oh it's so good uh and that that more than anything is what makes me excited for it because it's going to be an interesting a fresh voice you could say. Yeah.
0: Uh, so, so what, yeah, what, what I would say is I feel like th- this and guardians were the high water mark of what's been done in the formula so far.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Uh,
0: uh, well, I was getting ready to move on. So you make your point and then I'll, I'll resume that. I, I was just
2: going to talk about something that I'm sure I've talked about before, uh, where I want, I just want to see Marvel start licensing out its properties. Uh, experimentally. In the film universe, the way that it kind of has in the the TV universe, oh. where Legion is entirely unlike any other yeah. Marvel how, series, how do you Jessica it? Jones, yeah. And I I just desperately want to see a Tony Stark like exasperated, like planes, trains, and automobiles type road movie <laughs> where like Due Date, but I've I've not seen Due Date, but I've heard it's not that good. But the trailer made it look really good. I want to see like that Robert Downey Jr. just trying to get somewhere, and he doesn't have his suit for some reason. Like That section of Iron Man 3, which I hated the first time I watched it and then yeah. really liked the second time I watched it, where it's just like, this is a guy who's a genius, but without he's stripped down, and now he's yeah. just trying to get somewhere, and everything is against him. Not yeah, because anyone's fighting him, but because the world is really shitty sometimes. The
0: one and- that I... The one that i keep wanting is um and i know that the the comic doesn't always have a sterling reputation but i loved it uh i want to see kind of jeremy renner in an adaptation of matt fractions hawkeye which is explicitly like here's what hawkeye does when he's not an avenger he lives in a tenement building he grills out Mm -hmm. on the roof with his friends he has a dog with one eye that he raises (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'd I I love mean, to
2: see a horror Marvel film. Like Jessica you, Jones does you got, the job you got of, like,
0: man thing. What do you want?
2: <laughs> I mean I, like... I, Go ahead. I, I
1: think I think that would be great, but I think like just the 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 circumstances, the exogenes, I can't pronounce that word. How I've never had to say that out loud. Ex
2: ex-gen-s- ex-gen-s-
1: ex-gen-s- um, oh, of of franchise filmmaking make that unlikely like yeah as as long as these movies are tentpole summer films uh they're going to stay at least very similar if not exactly the same and i think i think you know uh on television uh you know legion does not need to be the biggest tv show in china the way that an avengers movie needs to be the biggest movie in china and the biggest movie in america and the biggest
2: movie in europe and And that's, I guess, what I'm what I'm trying to present a case against is that I think that Marvel could do really well if they did not try to make a summer blockbuster Marvel film, but make a Marvel (sighs) film that is more of like an independent, like the kind of film that that the Criterion Collection would put out. Uh I don't like it a lower budget I, like interesting character driven film i don't but that's think not that's not the, the way care. the film industry functions. Yeah. I
0: don't think you're wrong. Yeah. I think it's just not feasible right now. yeah I it's think not I, likely,
2: but I think yeah. that over the span of time eventually there might be one but yeah, no you know. I think
1: like like i i'm I'm kind of sad like I wish they would take a bit more of a um a note from what Star Wars is doing. I wish they would had sort of a mainline if Mm -hmm. if they split it up so there was like mainline Avengers episode nine, episode ten, episode Mm eleven sort of a function, but then you just sort of said, you know what, you wanna make a you wanna make a Jessica Jones movie? Go ahead. You wanna make a horror movie? Mm -hmm. Go ahead. And obviously, you know, the Star Wars movies are not being really all that experimental just yet. But like if if there was a bit more of a structure in place where it's like we're gonna alternate between a mainline Marvel movie and you know, a standalone, let's do Mm -hmm. something a little bit different Marvel movie.
2: Kind of the way Um, Steven Spielberg will, like, make a big blockbuster and then he'll make, like, a
1: historical, like,
3: film.
2: Yeah, so, like,
1: it would be, like, in some ways, in some ways, sort of, the MCU as a universe is a shared story world Mm -hmm. uh, where everything kind of needs to be feeding into, like, establishing all these characters that are going to be coming together in Avengers... Yeah. Uh, and you know, everything needs to kind of be at least somewhat moving towards, um, uh, Thanos. Um, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, p- perhaps, perhaps the post-Infinity War Marvel universe can be a bit more open-ended. I would, maybe I would then, love to see maybe, that. Maybe I would, then then we'll,
0: like... get a, we'll get our Howard the Duck remake.
2: <laughs> I, I yeah. uh, uh, reboot even. Yeah. Um, I, uh, now,
1: when you say that, do you mean the CG TV show set inside a computer?
2: Because I would love oh. a movie of that. I don't think Marvel owns that property, though, but I'll check. I guess what I'd like to see is something like a Jim Jarmusch Mar- Marvel film or a, a David Lynch Marvel film where they're just like, hey, David Lynch, you're a successful like outsider a director. Successful
0: director? Everyone <laughs> loves your works, unambiguously.
2: <laughs> um, yeah. Why don't you take one of our characters that we're never going to make a movie about?
0: What character ever. would you give David Lynch?
2: Ooh. Uh, Squirrel Girl. I was just going to say, I don't want to give him Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, because I want that to go to someone who I really genuinely like. But you hate uh, David Lynch. I love David Lynch, but I don't feel like he's a comedic director. His stuff uh, is funny. What Twin Peaks they... is hilarious, but it's not a comedy-driven movie. Production.
1: What's the name of the X Man who's like a disgusting bird guy? Beak. beak.
2: There you Give go. Give him a beak. Movie. The worst X Man ever. God, <laughs> that would that'd be fantastic. Oh. I would watch. That, that would movie. be perfect for David Lynch. But um, I I'd like to see. Okay, so this this is gonna seem like a completely off topic uh oh, topic.
0: Good because we're normally so coherent and I know. So Since I've had an idea, idea for Derek a couple of Patrick years. Right here, we go way off yeah. the rails. I'm <laughs>
2: For several years, maybe I've talked to you guys about this before.
0: I, really I have, have never watched soon, so let's...
2: Law & Order SVU, but it's one of the longest-running shows on television yes. at the moment, right? Okay. And it's, it's formulaic to the point where people who, like me, who have not actually ever seen the show, know what the formula is and yes. understand how it works. I would yes. like to see a season of Law & Order SVU, which is written entirely by famous writers. Like, they they get every episode to be written by, like, Stephen King or James Patterson or, like, people who – even people who don't read recognize the the names. Because, like, they've all probably seen Law & Order SVU, and they would all have some idea that would be formulaic but different enough that it would be interesting. And you could build a blockbuster season in which everyone would, like – I feel like the the ratings would be – Better than they are, even though I'm sure they're amazing. Yeah. Uh, just because I it would be,
0: don't I it, agree. I okay. yeah, I
2: feel like I feel like a show like
1: that does not need that level of stunting. And
0: I would argue, that, I'm not that, arguing. The, 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 no, for, I, I would argue that the reason the show gets the ratings it does consistently. Yeah. is because it is familiar and because it is not challenging. And but that's yeah.
2: the thing, is that I don't think that these would be unfamiliar because everyone's trying to work into the formula. They're not trying to make it into a different show. They're just bringing their own unique writer's voice to the formula that exists. I don't
0: think that there is room in that universe for a unique writer's voice.
2: Okay, yeah. well, I think that you're underestimating both these writers and the versatility of the formula. I think you're I guess,
0: overestimating uh, the SVU audience. Well, especially. as I
2: say, I've never seen it.
0: But I mean, I just, the, I
2: just think
1: that a, a police, police procedurals as a genre and as a genre that is extraordinarily popular, I think is like, I don't want to say that it's opposed to innovation. Cause that sounds really elitist and uh, yeah. wrong but I'm i not do talking i about innovation i'm just talking no, about but I, I, but I think i think what you're talking like i think what you're talking about is like the level of effort and coordination and just the logistics of doing
2: that season isn't worth it for a show like that a show I'm like not, that doesn't need to do it i'm not arguing that it needs to or that it could benefit any any from it i'm just saying okay. that it would be a very interesting like artistic yeah. collection of productions Okay. That yeah. it would be noteworthy and that i think it would draw in an audience of people who would not normally watch the show and i don't think that you would lose the the audience that you've got but regardless i just yeah. think that it would be an interesting like anthology where if you got yeah. like neil gaiman to write or alan moore to write a law and order svu just because <laughs> they've really- probably seen the show at some point and they, they probably would have something to to say, to, even I if am it's... Try, I'm like, trying to imagine what an Alan Moore... Yeah.
1: Exactly. Two,
0: two, exactly. Two things, two, two. things. One, uh, well, three things, actually. Number one, I want to imagine Alan Moore sitting down every week and watching SVU. I really not every that.
2: week, but he's probably seen it. Oh no, I, no, I, he's I want, a he's I'm a religious viewer. Seen, yeah. He's seen every. What if episode. that's yeah. his one like mainstream Se- cultural Se- indulgence? Se- second, what if I, what I would if every, say, what if he's like super mainstream?
1: What if his favorite show is Big Bang Theory Two guys. and <laughs> CSI? man.
0: Yeah. S- second point, um, I, guys. I I think it would be artistically interesting. I am not sure that. I think best case scenario it's a commercial wash. Um, worst case yeah. scenario and probably a more probable scenario is it's a loser. Artistically I it's mean, interesting.
2: I think that the DVD box set of that would outsell every other season of that show by a wide margin. And I don't but think
0: I, that matters.
2: Yeah, I don't think I, I don't we,
1: think that's a show where D V D sales are all that important.
2: I know. But if you did produce that, I think that there are people who would own nothing else of that show. Who would not care anything about that show, but would have bought that collection just
1: and because? I, and I don't think I don't think that's a meaningful market no. share.
0: It's it's not it's not enough to offset what you may lose and what you probably would lose. And best case scenario, it's a drop in the bucket.
1: Also, I as as three people who I'm assuming none of us know a lot about SVU, but there's yep. like 300 episodes of that. I I would be shocked if there is not already. Like a an James Alan Patterson Moore
0: episode. Well, yes,
1: no, I don't expect there's an Alan Moore episode, but yeah. like, if I were to Google Stephen King SVU episode, I would not be especially surprised to discover that's already been made, or a well, James
2: Patterson, or uh, what have you. I mean, James Patterson was just a name that I pulled out of a hat. It's not one that I, yeah. I don't know anything about his books but They're very, very I very he writes mysteries yeah. or possibly espionage thrillers. Oh, yeah, I, I, think don't I, know. Think, I think it's I'm probably of, confusing with Tom Clancy, but no, I
1: think they are sort of of that sort of Tom Clancy, John Grishamy kind of political thriller okay.
2: well, sort of a thing. To be honest, he's more mainstream than I would be interested to see, but it's just like, I was well, pulling. Well, that's like, where the money,
1: the, if you could get, if you, could get yeah. you know, your Dean is your, yeah,
2: J- your Patterson's, your uh, and I'm also like kind that. of thinking of those X Files episodes by Stephen King and William Gibson, which yes. are not great X Files episodes well, by what, any means. Well, but the fact that they made them were kind of interesting. Yes. And I, but what I'm to get back to the the point I was trying to make is that I would just like to see Marvel do something like that, where they just like start licensing out the the characters that they don't give a shit about. To someone who would make it so off the wall and interesting that it's going mean, to draw in an audience. And, but, like, keep them under, like, at, a, at an independent film budget. But you know, like, no more than a million dollars, which I know is not an independent not, film budget. Is, yeah. I know. But compared to the rest of the Marvel films, it, it is independent, like... No, you're going the wrong direction.
1: That's a small budget. Okay. That is a tiny budget. No movies that, are being made for a million dollars. You... <laughs>
2: Okay. I
0: I think think, television is what you want. I think television is where
1: this... This is where you get your Legions. This is where you get your Jessica Joneses. And I think that's where that level of experimentation, that level of... Particularly particularly as they seem to have decided, even even with something like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which seems to have started as being part of the MCU, they seem to have essentially shunted it off to its own sort of sub-MCU. And certainly things like Legion uh, are not... Don't seem to be part of the mcu at all and i think i think that's you know that sort of level of multiplicity just sort of saying like here have have your uh, corner, have your have your corner do something interesting for fx for uh netflix for hbo i think is going to be and you know I, I encourage that i've i've only seen the first half of legion i need to get back and watch the rest of it but i certainly loved what i saw of it i think you know more along those lines but i think in terms of film production I think that just the the realities of film production are that there's so much pressure there that uh, for a film studio that every film needs to be a tentpole, every film needs to be at least have a potential to be a blockbuster. You're not going to make it otherwise. Yeah.
2: Well, I
1: I, I guess I, I'm thinking I, of... I
0: need to bring this to a close because yeah, I, sorry, I still yeah. need to cook dinner with
3: Cynthia <laughs> and
0: like do all that. Work. Uh, um, I know. The, the bitch, only, bitch 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 um we i am sure that we can continue this conversation uh both on a future episode and also in vermont next month when we actually all see each other yeah. um the only thing i'll say as we close out is all of this talk about formula and franchises and all that is especially relevant to our next film which is the amazing spider-man 2
2: No, which i've not seen neither have i actually i think it's the only movie less left Other than Guardians of the Galaxy that I have not seen. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you mean? Oh, and Fantastic Four. The last
0: Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four is the film that, above everything ahead of us, I am most looking forward to watching.
2: Yeah, no,
1: I'm looking forward to that, too. Let's see. So I haven't seen seen this. I haven't seen Fantastic Four. I haven't seen either uh, the last two X-Men movies. Apocalypse? Yep. Yeah. Apocalypse and Logan. I haven't seen either of those. Probably Um, everything else on our list I've seen already, but there might be
2: something else I'm forgetting. I... I will say that of all of the movies that we have left I feel like Fantastic 4 are the most gestures at what I was just talking about but the movie that the director was probably trying to make yes I would say was probably very interesting and way more worthwhile and and worth watching than the movie that they eventually that the studio eventually put out and from I think, what I yeah heard. and
1: certainly and certainly like Fox Fox's Marvel franchise is in a very different position than Marvel's Marvel franchise yeah and you know they needed that movie to be a blockbuster because they needed to prove that there was some value in this property
2: the Fantastic Four so and I think they shot themselves in the foot because they made it impossible if they yeah. just left it with a, with his singular vision then they probably would have made. Way more money than they did.
0: I think we'll have that conversation with Fantastic Four. Like I, I I agree the studio fucked up. I am also not positive that they got the right guy to direct it. Period.
1: Though fair enough. Um, Well, well, anyway, again, I haven't seen it. We'll talk about that in you know a year or two when we get there. (laughs) Our pace is real good right now. Yeah.